Nick, 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 Hello and welcome to the Andyplex. I'm your host, Andy Majorano. This is episode 14, The Orangiers Are Full of Good Burgers. This is a super exciting episode for me as I've gotten the massive honor of covering the brand spanking new feature documentary, hot off the presses, The Orangiers, The Nickelodeon Story, all about the rise of the little cable network that could. Nickelodeon in its formative years. Today's guest is co-writer and director Scott Barber, traveling virtually all the way from Texas to be with me here in Los Angeles. And after Scott and I talk about this exciting new documentary sticking to the Nickelodeon theme, we will be taking a deep-fried, well-done dive into the 1997 comedy starring Keenan and Kel, Good Burger. Welcome, Scott. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are... You know, we're super excited to release this movie, and I'm super excited to be here with you, virtually. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is as, this is as good as it gets in 2020, you know? Face-to-face is uh, mm-hmm. through Zoom nowadays. Very true. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, I'm excited to have you as well, and, and really thank you so much for, for wanting to do the show, and this is such an exciting uh, time and occasion, because... Uh, I just watched your documentary, sir. I'd be lying if it didn't bring a tear to my eye on a couple of instances, and I was laughing and getting misty and nostalgic. And um, Real quick, I just want to say how we met to uh, the listeners. This is kind of a fun story. Uh, so the producer of The Orange Years is Bill Parks. Great guy, by the way. We got we to gotta get that out of the way. Bill get that Parks, out of the way. Great man, funny man, talented man, and most importantly handsome man he is all of those things and more <laughs> and i haven't actually seen the guy in a while but uh he bumped into he's still uh, super handsome he I, I believe it i think i saw a photo and he was looking <laughs> you're looking great bill but yeah bill ran into um another mutual friend of mine also uh one of the co-hosts of the show has been on a couple episodes ryan grassmeyer who's part of the nickelodeon family he's uh, had a recurring role on henry danger and now on danger force the spinoff and I guess bumped into Bill and was like, oh, there's this guy from Delaware, Bill Parks. He says he knows you, Andy. And I was like, oh, my God, Bill Parks. I went to Boy Scouts with him in, like, the late 90s, <laughs> early aughts, um, I guess. Um, and uh, I knew he was pursuing acting and, and film and stuff like that. So, anyway, long story short, that's so funny. And I love that story of how kind of small world people bumping into each other. Yeah, down the road. I love that story too. I saw the pictures of all the Mighty Ducks guys and thought that was super cool. You know, Michael Ray Bauer, he was Donkey Lips on Salute Your Shorts, and he was there. And him and Bill know each other uh, real well. And uh, yeah, it's funny after uh, you know Bill was telling me about that and how you guys met. I was like, Bill, you were you were in Boy Scouts. How far did you make it? You know, thinking he'd be like, Oh, I did it for a couple of years. He's like, Oh man, I was full on Eagle Scout. Like I went all the way to the top. So, yeah. I have yeah, mad respect for anybody. Yeah, I, I, I made it to Weebelow, which isn't even Boy Scouts, like, <laughs> uh, Scouts, and I was like, I'm good. Like I had fun, and and I'm yeah, and I'm, and I'm out. <laughs> but I, so I have mad respect for anybody that gets you know all the way up to the top. I know it. It takes like a lot of discipline and stuff. Don't they say that it like looks really good on a college like your resume because of people are like oh this guy went all the way through Boy Scouts like yeah he's, it he's looks good on uh, it looks good on everything because yeah it really <laughs> is. Uh, I didn't make it myself. Uh, my brother Gianni did, however. So this is Troop 99 okay. in Wilmington, Delaware. So Bill okay. and I both grew okay. up in Wilmington. And then I guess he went up to New York and then beat me yeah. out here to L.A. I've been out here since about 2011. He got here in like 05. But anyway, 
Uh, yeah, it's a serious commitment, and it's not just like <laughs> it's not just like going camping and getting merit badges. You have to actually right. like advance in rank and like do projects and yeah. you know community service and and whatnot. I enjoyed scouts for the camping and everything. I uh, yeah, I wasn't as uh, eagle focused as others, but <laughs> now of course I wish I had gotten my act together. But uh, high school it- was I was doing a lot of stuff back then. Speaking of getting your act together, you know, like you mentioned, Bill is a working actor in L.A., and he was just on Modern Family as a park ranger. So I bet he was able to use some of his experience as an Eagle Scout to be a park ranger. That's great. I did not know that. I got to I got to check him out. Wow. Bill Parks, man. And now he's part of this incredible project, which I'm so excited to talk about and and delve into. I grew up with Nickelodeon. But I didn't have it. We didn't have like full on, you know, we had like the most basic cable package. And I remember I did have a neighbor in my neighborhood, though, that did have it. And you bet my butt was always over there watching it. And I was always connecting with all the stuff. And I always thought it was so fun and and creative. And, you know, Clarissa explains it all. And, and of course, Double Dare, which you guys get into all that. And I love how you guys show from point A to point B, really the evolution Um because I guess, you know, when you're a kid, you just take things for granted. I guess you're like, Nickelodeon, it's great. But people had to really envision it. And this was in the wild, wild west where cable wasn't really even that big yet. You know, the networks had all the power. So here comes this fledgling Nickelodeon. And uh, I really felt you guys captured it in um, in the orange year so well of how, like, just that wonder and the mission statement to be about kids and to pick kids in a way that's honest and and give kids a safe place to grow and learn in a fun environment, you know, that wasn't force-fed by adults or merchandising and commercials. And, you know, some cartoons were all about just selling the selling the products. I mean, that was part of it. But, well, anyway, man, it really, really blew me away. So good job to you guys. Oh, man. Thank you. I really appreciate you watching it. Yeah, and thanks for, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's just wonderful to hear things like that. You know, this was a super big passion project for us. You know, me and Adam Sweeney, the co-director on it, we we grew up with all of these shows and it was an important part of our friendship. You know, we we watched these shows as kids together. So now to get to kind of make this journey as adults was, you know, really a a, a pretty magical thing. And uh, that was one thing we wanted to kind of look at, you know, is is this just nostalgia talking? You know, because a lot of people that are of that that age, you know, kind of Generation X and kind of older and middle millennials all like like oh my god Nickelodeon it was so awesome I love all that I love hey dude I love salute salute your shorts whatever show it is there's always like a, a a couple of shows that people are like oh man that was like my jam and they get really nostalgic and really it's really personal for them and we wanted to kind of with this film take a look at that and go okay is it nostalgic just because this is what happened when we were kids you know this is Everybody always feels like the the music and art and entertainment is best when they were little, you know, because it was yours. It, you're part of that movement, so it feels more special to you. And we wanted to look at that. And is there is there more to it than just that? Is it the nostalgia talking, or was there actually something really special going on behind the scenes that people don't know about? And I think in the doc, you know, we, we kind of answer that, or at least I hope we do. That was the intention. Yeah. No, I think you guys really did. And, and as a viewer, you really are folded into that kind of behind the, the lens analysis of everything. And you really kind of, yeah, showed all the personalities that really mm-hmm. shepherded it along and the people that fought for it. 
and how that was this kind of cumulative, you know, mission kind of purpose statement. It wasn't just another yeah. network. It wasn't just another TV channel. It was, it really had that heart. And I feel like you guys captured that, that journey that Nickelodeon had to get to that point with their own mission statement really, really effectively and beautifully. So really good job, oh, guys. Well, thank you so much. What was like the actual, like, you know, nucleus kind of, inception moment okay. for yeah. this certain project you said it was your friendship uh yeah with Adam well and- there, there were a lot of things that that kind of led to us doing this you know for starters adam and i we had written a couple of scripts together uh we like i said we were childhood friends who then kind of you know as you go away to college and do all those things sometimes life can take you on separate paths and then when we kind of reconvened thanks to things like i think it was myspace at the time um, yeah, we, we realized, yeah, we realized that our lives had taken very similar turns and we were both, you know, really interested in filmmaking and things like that. And so we kind of reconvened there probably in, you know, 2006, somewhere in there. I mean, we never lost touch, but we started, you know, getting real tight again around that time. Yeah. And we, uh, we started writing scripts and things like that. And, you know, that's just a real fun thing to do, but then it's all about, you know, trying to sell it. Our goal was always to, you know, we were just two dudes in Texas, you know, uh, trying to sell this, trying to get someone to make our script. And there's so many moving parts. And you hear people who are like, well, uh, you know, we need a name attached to this. Or this isn't currently what my numbers are telling me is what people are into. So, you know, we got <laughs> sick of hearing yeah. that. And we really wanted to make a movie. The goal switched from trying to uh, write a script and have somebody else make it to let's freaking make a movie from start to finish where we – we write it, we direct it, we produce it, we put it out there all ourselves. So that way, as long as we believe in it, it's going to get out there. And we thought about that a lot. You know, what kind of movies can we make? And around the same time, uh, Adam is, in addition to being a, a really great writer, he also uh, uh, is really great at, like, marketing and things like that. And he, he had a job uh, doing, like, marketing and, and, and promotional stuff uh, for a company, and they needed some video work done. And, and so he hired me. Um, to do video. That's what, that's my thing. I do a lot of music videos and commercials and things like that. I had a background in that. And uh, so he hired me uh, to make these little promo videos for this company that he worked for. And we made a bunch of, you know, where we would basically shoot an interview, you know, with these people that worked at this company and then chop that interview up and put B roll on it uh, to make these little commercials for, for this, this company. And, and I kind of realized, I was like, you know what, we're, we're kind of like making these little mini documentaries. What about, what about a doc? You know, what if instead of writing a script, what if we were to make a documentary? Because that's something that is, uh, is a lot more um, manageable. You know, you don't need as big of a budget to do that. Um, and so that became our focus is let's, let's see if we can come up with uh, a subject that is uh, interesting and original uh, enough to make a documentary about um, because yeah, we were, we were basically making documentaries for other people. Why not make one, uh, for ourselves? We knew we could do it. You know, we, we knew we knew how to shoot interviews and edit them. So, you know, we, we knew we could do it and we knew how to tell a story from our days of, you know, writing scripts. And so, uh, you know, the idea got bounced around of what about Nickelodeon? What about a Nickelodeon documentary? Uh, we had some friends that had done like a star Wars documentary and that's really cool, but there's a bunch of those, you know? And uh, these guys had had a unique angle, but still, you know, it's one of those things that there's 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 a lot of those out there. Right. And so we thought, what about Nickelodeon? And we we did some Google searching and we realized there wasn't a documentary about Nickelodeon out there. 
And then we kind of said, okay, that's great. Clearly, this will have a lot of, like, nostalgia. People will be into it uh, from, from that standpoint, just based on the subject matter. But is it something you can actually make a good doc about? Like, is there a story, basically? Or is it just, here's Pete and Pete. Here's Hey Dude. Here's Salute Your Shorts. That was great, you know? Right. Um, and then once we started doing some real research, because we had two or three other ideas we were bouncing around, too, of what we could maybe do a doc about. And once we did some real research, it's like, okay, yeah, there is actually a story there. And there's a story that's compelling. And there's a story there that most people don't know about. And also, you know, how are we going to tie all these shows together? Well, in our research, we kind of found that out. Because another thing is, you know, when you tell someone you're making a documentary about the golden era of Nickelodeon, well, golden era means different things to different people. You know, right. some people, there was actually an era in the very early 80s that, that I don't even remember. I wasn't old enough or I didn't have cable yet. Uh, you know, before they even had the orange logo that I some people swear by that and say that's the the real golden era of Nickelodeon. Some people like me, you know, I consider like Pete and Pete and Snick that that time to be the golden. Some people might consider like more like the Drake and Josh era, the golden era. You know, there's all sorts of different. But once we kind of found out about Jerry Laybourne, that that's really the the, the focus of our doc is her and her work. And we said, OK. Now we have something we can focus on. We're not just saying the golden era. We're, we're specifically focusing on her era of Nickelodeon. So we had that. Once we knew that and we kind of had studied her story and her team, her amazing team that she built, we knew we had a story. And that's when it was on. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, that's definitely like the hook that kind of that ties it all together. And I love how you said that about the golden era because, yeah, I mean, I'm probably with you on the golden era. You know, that was probably mm-hmm. more, more yeah. the heyday. but. Yeah, because I feel like that's when it really started to gel as like kind of its own like life form, you know, like it took on this kind of ethos where they wanted it to be depicting kids in a positive way, but Mm -hmm. an honest way and and cut through the BS, which you guys, you know, really, really tapped on really well. And uh, yeah, she she was with Nickelodeon for what, 16 years or so or something like that? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it it, it was it was a a very long journey for her. You know, she started. Uh, originally she was kind of worked as a contractor for them. That's why I, I say sort of, because it's kind of, uh, she start as the president, you know, there's one thing, but she also, you know, she worked for Nickelodeon before that. And even before she officially worked there, she worked uh, as a contractor where she was pitching ideas for shows there. So yeah, she had a very long tenure there and definitely, you know, I mean, all that it's crazy. Whenever I found out that the same person was responsible for putting, you can't do that on television on Nickelodeon was the same person that put all that on Nickelodeon. It's like, yeah, God, that's a that's a freaking legacy right there. That 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 they were all those shows that were magical in their own way were not created by the same person, but were uh, inspired and greenlit by the same person. You know, that's right. Someone that's there insane. to really like, cultivate that spiritual mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. underlining guideline. Yeah. That uh, yeah, because yeah, when you when you start to break it down, sure there was like, all right, we don't want to just be one thing. We have game shows, we have you know, we have yep. news, and but there yep. really was like a mission statement underneath of it, and I really think um, her contribution was was so strong to get to that mission statement. Really, yeah. One thing that people have said uh, is that it 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 really felt like it was a network that was run by kids. Like if you were to find out, if you were to go to Nickelodeon Studios and look behind the camera, and if you actually <laughs> were to see just a bunch of kids back there, you you kind of wouldn't have been. Yeah, surprised. You'd be like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> That's and and it's funny. Like there's so many things that you think kids like as an adult, you know, but 
they don't. They so many of the things that we adults, and particularly adults in media, try to give kids are actually things that kids hate. You know, like talking down. Like, like if you start out with like, "Hey, kids," yeah, like you've already chances are kids are they're going to hate that. Yeah. yeah, don't say "Hey, kids." Like that's not the way any like. Right. It's kind of like when someone's like, "Hey, boss," or "Hey, hey, bro." You know, it's like, "Hey, I don't know you." There's, you know, there's don't... a separation. Yeah. There. Yeah, you're yeah, not you're exactly. not you're not bonding with your audience. You're mm-hmm. you're like looking at them through a, a like a glass pane or something, right? Yep. Uh, before that point, you know, there there really there was never a network that was focused on kids before Nickelodeon. But the the the, the people that did focus on Nickelodeon through certain programming, I, I don't feel like they ever really got. It wasn't until Nickelodeon came that people like got kids. You know, they understood this is the way kids. If you really want to connect with a kid, this is how you do it. And uh, so, I, I, you know, that's why, you know, it, it, it felt like magic, you know, mm-hmm. those years that just felt, feel like magic. And, you know, <laughs> through making this documentary, I've I've had to watch a lot of or I shouldn't say had to. I've gotten the pleasure yeah, of watching a bunch the of those kids shows. I've had the honor of watching those kids shows. And, you know, so many things, you know, you look back at your childhood and it doesn't really hold up, you know. Right. Um, but so much of that does absolutely hold up. You know, I was I was kind of blown away by how many things uh, held up in a big, big time way. When I watched them, I was like, you know, there's so many shows or so many, you know, there's bands that I like, you know, that I'll go back and listen to. I'm like, yeah, you just it's something's missing now or. Yeah, like this was this was just the zeitgeist of the time and it doesn't have any relevance now. But, you know, so much of Nickelodeon is just timeless and, and holds up just so well. Yeah, I know. I like how you said that timeless because, yeah, and I mm-hmm. think you guys really, really nailed it in the doc. You, you, you captured that essence of what it is like to be a kid and, and being mm-hmm. connected to as a real kid. Um, you know, yeah. and like you said, we were, we were actually kids then. And so the yeah. connection was just yeah. honest and natural. We weren't really thinking about it, but now as adults, we're yeah, like, exactly. what is that? And yeah, like you said, not talking down, taking it seriously, really really getting down in there and you know you guys address how that mission statement goes into all elements of the medium you know the the double dare uh into the animation stuff with the rugrats bringing everything down i remember as a kid watching rugrats and you're really on the ground crawling around with these guys and it's a little gross and it's a little Mm -hmm. it's not perfect right it's not these like sterile environments it's like these real living rooms with dirt and a little bit of grime and I yeah. loved the bit about, uh, you know, how the heads were kind of misshapen. It's like, that's how kids' heads yes. really are. They're not all perfect heads, you know? That's totally true. Yeah, kids <laughs> are not these beautiful, wonderful, perfect th- I mean, they are beautiful because they're, you know, <laughs> they're, kids. they're kids. But, like, but yeah, like, their heads are kind of weird looking. You know, their heads are, are shaped a little interesting. Kids don't, you know, and, 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 and kids identify better with that. Exactly. You know, whenever... When you have people that are on, you know, I think that's why people like YouTube so much, especially kids. You know, you look at kids all the time. They love YouTube. Kids will will a lot of times prefer to watch YouTube over something like really well produced. And I think that's yeah. why you look at so many of the kids shows now. They're kind of back to that that pre Jerry Layborn Nickelodeon where all the kids have perfect teeth, right. perfect frosted tips hair. They they can sing. They can dance. They can do all this. They're stuff. all multi talented and. and- Perfect. They're all multi-talented, and that, that, that kids, you know, they might enjoy it for a minute, but it doesn't connect with them, and it, sometimes it makes them feel actually not great about themselves. So whenever they watch YouTube, and it's just a kid with a, right. you know, like what we've got here, you know, a kid with a laptop or a webcam, in someone's and they're room. just talking, 
Yep, yeah. and they're just talking, and, and the kid says, this kid looks like me. They're they're speaking like me, and they're speaking my language, and that's why, uh, you know, I, that's personally the same thing that made Nickelodeon so popular back in the day to me is why YouTube is so popular now because kids want to see something real. They don't want to see this 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 fakeness. This refined, you know, that polished fakeness that you're saying, yeah. Yep. Yep, it's tough. It's tough to be a kid. It is, and that's the thing we forget. As an adult, you look at a kid and you go, "Man, I got bills to pay. I got my boss breathing down my neck. I got a mortgage. I got all this stuff." You're a kid. What do you? What you know? What do you got? You know, it's like, well, kids got a it, just because it's not a big deal to you, doesn't mean it's not a big. You know, dealing with bullies, dealing with a crush, dealing with school. trying to you know fit, move into a new school. Some yeah. kids are dealing with their parents getting divorced, you know, moving to a new place. All those things are incredibly different difficult for a child to deal with. Yeah. And we forget about that. It's not yeah, it's for us it's not a big deal. But to them it is. And 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 that's what Nickelodeon to me really, you know, that's one of the many things they tapped into. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. And you guys you nailed it in the doc and the conversations about, you know, how kids' lives are actually, like, tougher than they think. And what was it? Somebody overheard a kid kind of being sad, and they were like, man, kids kids really have can have a really hard time. Yeah. It's really hard. Like you said, it's really hard being a kid. That was actually a line yeah. right from the doc. It's it's kind of like they said it sarcastically. First, like, oh, it's so hard to be a kid. And then they thought about it. And they're like, like, actually. Oh, man, it actually is. Yeah, yeah, it's actually, it's really tough to be a kid. You know, it's. It's a, it's a difficult, difficult time. You know, your your life is constantly changing. Just when you figure out who you are as a kindergartner, then you're thrust into first and second grade where everything is different. Yep. And then just when you figure out who you are as like a middle ki- middle aged kid, you're thrust into adolescence and you got to figure out who you are there. And then you're thrust through puberty and you got to figure out who, you know, it's just like, you know, I can remember, you know, being in fifth and sixth grade and having the time of my life and then going into junior high and it was like the rules were all yeah everything's out the window that were yeah yeah my friends from last year now don't want to talk to me anymore because we're part of a different clique you know and it's like you were just spending the night at my house like all the time like two years ago and now you're like i'm like hey man what's up you're like i don't know you you know like (laughs) yeah it's just crazy you know and and there might be someone that you were friends with and you've known him for a long time and now there's like maybe you were developing a crush and these are like wait what these feelings of like attraction is not what I thought I would have, you know, this is weird. It's just a very difficult time. And, and, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful time. You know, it's a lot of people say it's their favorite time of their life, but it is, it's uh it's a difficult time. And that's, you know, that's another thing that all the writers told us is we never wrote like we were writing a kid's show. We put the same love and, and care into writing because a lot of them had had written for you know adult shows before and and wrote for adult shows afterwards and movies and commercials and all sorts of stuff and they said they didn't treat it any different you know a lot of people go oh it's it's this for kids you can make the plot a little flimsy because they're kids they'll never think they'll never about pick it, up know? on these things they're, they'll never pick up on it you know whereas nickelodeon yeah exactly with nickelodeon they never they never they never did that you know they they a lot of a lot of the writers told us that specific, separately. You know, it's not like they were all in the same room at the same time. Yeah. They, they told us that on separate occasions. I, I, I put the same love and care and attention to detail into this as I would something that was, uh, you know, marketed towards adults. And I think that's I think that shows in their in their programming for sure. I, I think it definitely shows. And um, and you guys capture how that that kind of cumulative mission statement, like you're saying, that was woven into every aspect of Nick. Sure. Really, really came out and, and people got it on, that were part of it. And 
and yeah and it quickly became like wow this is this is really a great formula this works you know and it's and it's yeah, just honesty yeah. it's just straight up honesty and not patronizing yep or trying to filter and yeah, and I, I remember like even like Ren and Stimpy and like sometimes things had like a little bit of a gross realness to it. And I love yep. that about Nick. Like I, I, I couldn't put it into words back then. I didn't know I, w- I wasn't able to like yeah. actually say it or vocalize it. But I was like, I like how it's a yeah. little bit. Everything's yes. just a little off, you know, and that's life. You know, it's not perfect. Yep. It, it push it. They did such a great job of pushing it. Because as a kid, you know, when you're a kid that you, you want to. You want to rebel. You want to push boundaries, you know, and but you don't want to cross boundaries. You know, you don't want to get in trouble. You don't you certainly don't want to do anything that like, you know, like if my, my parents had walked in on me watching a rated R movie, I would have been in like big trouble. Yeah. You know, they would have been super upset with me. Um, but Nickelodeon made you feel almost like you were watching something at times, at times, particularly like Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life. Even you can't do that on television to an extent. Yeah. It made you feel like you were watching something that maybe you shouldn't. It was like just kind of naughty enough that you're right. like, I don't, my mom might be mad about this. But at the same time, you're like, eh, at the end of the day, I can go, hey, mom, it's Nickelodeon and that's kids programming. You can't get, yeah. you can't get mad at me. You know, hey, they did such a immunity. good job of wa- immunity. This is kids programming. I don't, I, I can't control it. They did such a good job of, 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 of walking it right up to that line yeah. without crossing it. You know, they never did anything horribly obscene. No. But it definitely was like, whoa, there's some big, especially. It flirted the know, line. I like how you said that. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's some innuendos in there and, big time. Uh, I love how, you, okay, so go back to, uh, you can't do that on television. Because that, that mm-hmm. was a real big one for me. And I remember me just too. being blown away by it. And it was, it's sketch. You know, it's so sketch comedy. I love sketch yep. comedy. I, you know, I make sketches. Yeah. and. Um, oh, I think cool. it was a formative thing for me, and I loved how the adults were portrayed as kind of like, kind of gross, and they, you know, a little bit yep. psychopathic at times. And it was like, yeah. you know, yeah. you had to kind of learn. Like the kids really had to kind of learn how to get through life on their own, and yep. you know, and and, and 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 it really is a show from a kid's perspective. Yes, well you said. know, like the kid, like you said, the adults are either psychopathic, <laughs> yeah. you know, hell bent on harming these children. Right. Um, or if they're not psychopathic, they're idiots, you know, the adults are dumb. And when you're a kid, that's how, um, adults can kind of seem to you, you know, kind of, you know, and that's what, you know, there, there is a beauty. So much kids programming now is aimed at adults, you know, oh, we want something that the adults will like to. And I think that's great. I do. Um, but this show, those shows, particularly you can't do that on television, um, it was totally from a kid's point of view, you know, it was, you know, the kids, the kids were smart. The adults were crappy. The adults were constantly dumping on the kids and that's how kids feel. Yeah. And there is something about making something that's just for kids. They're not trying to go, Oh, let's, let's, let's have double the our market okay here. here. Making... Okay with it too, but yeah. yeah. And it's, in... yeah, I, I love that. And, 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 and you can't do that on television was extremely um, influential to Nickelodeon because there are so many things that they took from that. Obviously, there's the green, the green, the green slime, slime. You know, so iconic to this very day. I mean, that is Nickelodeon, but Absolutely. there are so many other themes that started with that show. You know, like that. If you notice that the 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 adults are dumb. You know, that's the same with Salute Your Shorts. That's the same with Hey Dude. Right. That's the same with Rugrats. That's the same with you know all of those shows. The adults are are kind of dim witted. Right. And that definitely started. And then also the whole, this is a little naughty thing that started with, you can't do that on television. Yeah. There were some, I remember there was a joke on there where, uh, the kid Alistair was like 
getting dressed or something, and the mom came in, and, uh, and and he's like, "Mom, I'm changing in here," you know. And the mom's like, "I'm your mom, you know. Everything you have, I've seen. You know, I saw it on the day you were born." <laughs> yeah. And then she she kind of takes a beat and she goes, "Through a microscope, <laughs> we thought you were a girl," you know. And his face turns red, right. you know, it's uh, like. And it's like they're making fun of this guy's junk, you know. Like that's crazy. <laughs> and I remember thinking as a little kid, I was like, "Whoa, that's that's crazy." You're like, oh, you know? wow, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things like that, you know, where they they it was like a little bit naughty, and that's definitely something that that Nickelodeon, you know, borrowed from from for years. Yeah, for all all through those, uh, you know, the orange years, if that's what you want to call them. They definitely you can't do that on television. Set the stage, absolutely right. And you guys in the doc really really nailed that. That was kind of a linchpin moment. That that was kind of the personality would really be mm-hmm. this from. You know, obviously, you'd be branching this out to different what we're mediums, doing. Yeah. but yeah, yeah. And yeah. I remember as a kid uh, catching this and and realizing that it was kind of meta was that the adults would play multiple adults and like you know the people at the lunch you know in the cafeteria. Yeah. And I remember as a yeah. kid, I was like, oh, this is the same actor, and I knew that there was the same actor, but I was really young, and I was like, actors were still like, I was like, oh, this is all real, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, but be- and they broke the fourth wall. Like, they yeah. knew they were making a TV show on it. Yeah. Right, right. Breaking the fourth wall and very meta-ness and having the actors kind of play multiple parts. And I remember thinking, mm-hmm. oh, they're trying to say something here. That, you know, these are all, like, these are the cookie-cutter versions of adults. through the yeah. Like you said, through the lens of a child. Um, yep. And even as a kid, I was, like, picking up on stuff like that. And it's kind of yeah, like in Peanuts sure. where everyone's That's like, awesome. rah, 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 rah. you know, they're, yep. they're all just they're yep. kind of same, right? So switching out the actors. Totally. And, Totally. Um, so yeah, that w- that was a real big one for me, and um, I always I always wanted to be slimed. I was always hoping that oh I, I felt that I felt that one day it's, it was just going to happen. I would say the word or whatever, and it would just in yeah. my house middle of the day, slime. Yeah, slime would. I know. Isn't that funny? And that's something that I think is so interesting that it became something that kids craved. Right. You know, it was initially meant to be a punishment. You You're know, like, like, oh say no. The word. And then you get slimed. And then kids are like, I want to be slimed. Yeah. You know, it's like going to a Guar concert. Like, you want it. You want <laughs> Guar, you want baby. the slime to come down on you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. You know? I love Guar. The same. So, as do I. Nice. You're a metal fan? Funny. You should. Yeah. I am a metal fan. Oh, yeah. I, I love. Yeah. I love. I love all rock and roll. And, uh, and yeah, might be. My, yeah. I've. Uh, yes. I love Guar. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Heck yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I mean, what a what a what a fun depiction of for kids. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I the doc watching it today, uh, I just kept thinking, man, you know, when you're a kid, it was just there, right? It was just there for you. Yes. Or you know, like I said at my uh, at my neighbor's house, whom I hung out with a lot, not just because he had Nickelodeon, oh, cool. but it certainly helped. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that the fact that I'm just so grateful now as an adult that you know it's so it was so formative. And that rawness and that funness yeah. and that little bit of naughtiness. And I'm so grateful now that it was a thing and people really gave it the love and the time and the yeah. dedication. Yep. Um, Me too. Because now looking back on it, I mean, I was so I was emotional during your, during your movie, Scott. I really was. Yeah. I was like, this is so beautiful. Um, obviously, we would never know how it would have turned out without Nick now, you know, butterfly effect right. or whatever. But, right. mm-hmm. you know, anyway, mm. what uh, it was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I cut you off. No, I, I just wanted to kind of tack on there. It was beautiful. And, it, and, it, and the thing that's great is it's so fortunate that this amazing thing happened right whenever I think kids needed it more than ever, you know, yeah. because 
you know, that was the time that was the rise of the latchkey kid. Right. Uh, you know, divorce rates were going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it, I just I'm so grateful that it's unfortunate if you have to be raised by a TV, you know, it really is. But if you if, but if, if you, you are going to be, be, I'm glad it was that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm glad it was that and not like other things, you know, the, the, the not to knock other networks. But I'm glad that was there for kids that I think really, really needed it, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I can speak for myself that, um, you know, huge influence. And uh, my goodness, was was there one for you growing up that was like your your real big one? Um, my real big yeah, one? Yeah, you were like, this was the if you had to pick one. I mean, it's hard. Jeez, but I know I'm putting you on the spot here, Scott. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. Um, <laughs> obviously, like you can't do that on television. Was a bit is almost like a first love for me, right? Like that's like that's where I fell in love with Nickelodeon, and and I like you. I think that shaped me a lot. That kind of weird sense of humor. Yeah. Um, meeting. Um, so for that, we interviewed uh, Abby Haggard, who played the mother on all of those shows. Um, and I Amazing. got to interview her in front of the lockers. Oh. Um, and, uh, that was insane. I got to get inside those lockers and there, every time a kid would age out of the show or leave the show, they would sign it oh, and wow. you get to see that was like pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and then Christine Moose, uh, her, her name was Christine McGlade and her, they called her Moose on the show. She was, uh, we interviewed her, uh, for the film as well. And that was sur- very surreal. That show was a big one for me. Um, and then, you know, Salute Your Shorts was probably the one that I watched a lot as well. Amazing. Um, I loved that show, and I, I, I always joke that I wanted to be Budnick, but I was probably more sponge. <laughs> so I was probably somewhere in between, like a little skinny, nerdy kid, but I had I had the mullet, you know? Yeah. And loved, like, Metallica and Megadeth. Oh, heck and yeah. And Danny Cooksey, yeah, man, Danny Cooksey was in a metal band um, at the same time while he was on Salute Your oh, Shorts. Oh, really? They were a kit. they're called... Bad for good. A shout out to Jared Frank. He is a producer on this film as well. He was the one that actually told me about them back in the nineties. Um, um, we've we've also been a lot of it's it's great. A lot of the people that I worked with on this film I've known for like a long time, and uh, Jared was one of those people as well. And he introduced me to them. So it was an all kid metal band. So it was like this little kid named Thomas McRocklin who could just go, you know, he could shred. And then there was a guy named Brooks Wackerman who went on to play in like suicidal tendencies and bad religion. Get out of here. Um, yeah, yeah. And then another guy, Zach, who played the bass. And they were like a little kid. That was their thing. They were billed as like a little kid metal band. They were anywhere from like 12 to 16. And Budnick, Danny Cooksey, was the singer. Wow. And, uh, and, it was, it, and their songs were great. They, they kind of had like a – Motley Crue kind of sound a little bit like that you know that 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 80s glam metal glam rock yeah a little heavier glam rock a little yeah and they were a little heavier but yeah they unfortunately their record came out in 1991 and there was another record that you probably heard of that came out in 1991 called Nevermind by Nirvana Mm -hmm. that absolutely took everything glam metal and just flushed it down the toilet so they're one of those. I always joke, like Bad for Good. If they had come out like five years earlier, man, they would have been the biggest thing in would've the world. Would have hit that sweet spot. But their record came out after, like after Nevermind came out. Nobody wanted anything to do with like glam metal. And I know I'm, I, I am fully aware. I'm getting off topic here. No, no, um, I love it. This is great. But I love that one. You know, Pete and Pete was another big one for me yes, because huge um, for me as well. Because it, it, and it's another one that holds up. It's, it's like a very rock and like. People that I feel like are, grew up to be like into rock and roll and indie rock and things like that, 
that show maybe was a little bit responsible for that. Uh, you know, because, I mean, you look at Michael Stipe is in it and Gordon Gano from the Vaughn film, Fems and uh, Iggy, Iggy Pop, Pop was Yeah, in yeah, it, which, which you guys talked about in the, do- the documentary. Yeah, it, it's funny because everyone always asks me, is there anybody that you want, that you that you wanted to get, that you didn't get? And, uh, you know, everyone thinks we're going to say Alanis Morissette because, you know, Alanis Morissette was on You Can't Do That on Television, but it's like she was on there for like five episodes and she's gone on to do other things. But for me, the one that I wanted was Iggy Pop, but it was at the very end of the documentary. Like we were basically, when we were doing the film, the Pete and Pete segment, we were pretty much done filming. And, uh, I mean, we were done. We were done. We got those guys at the last minute at the very end. Mm, I'm glad you did. uh, And, uh, I am so glad we did as well. Oh my God. Yeah. It would have been a huge hole in the dock if we had not gotten those guys. And, uh, we were able to get them at the, at the, at the very end. And, uh, and, and Danny Tamborelli, who's just an awesome, awesome guy. Fantastic. He's a musician. He lives in Brooklyn. Great guy. He was like, have you guys in- interviewed Iggy? Because I could probably put you in touch. And it's like, ah, I so badly wanted to be like, yes. Even if it doesn't make it in the dock, I just want to hang out in a room with, with Iggy, Iggy Pop. Pop. But yeah, but uh, but my 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 adultness said, you know what? Like the budget for this, we're already at the end. Like yeah. the films, we we already like we're trying to debut at Doc NYC. Like we had to start finalizing the edit of the film and be done with it. So I didn't get to meet Iggy Pop, but I wanted to. And who knows if it would have even happened. Danny Tamborelli just offered to uh, hook us up with 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 him. Um, so Pete and Pete is another one. And then finally, I got to say, are you afraid of the dark? Mm. That, Absolutely it, you know, I, I know you asked for one and I kind of named what? Uh, you can't do it on television. Salute your shorts. Pete and Pete and are you afraid of the dark? That's as, that's as much as I can narrow it down. That's, as that's a good four. narrowing because there's about a million great shows. There's a million of yeah. them and they're all great. They're all great. But are you afraid of the dark? Yeah. Is a, is just, that show holds it up. It holds up big so time. well. And I remember it scared it re- the bejesus out of me. Mm-hmm. And I really think it was a huge influence in me. I'm I'm a huge horror buff now. Me and, too. Uh, yeah. yeah. Twilight Zone, which you I've know, watched subsequent, you know, all of it. Right. Um, I'm glad you guys it, said M. that Night it was Twilight Shyamalan. Zone. It's Twilight Zone it, for kids. It was Twilight Zone for kids. Yeah. yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. And the yeah. shows like, Yeah, M. Night Shyamalan. He he said the uh the the Sixth Sense was totally influenced by uh an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? There's an uh, oh, episode of Are here. You Afraid of the Dark where at the end you find out the main character, it's this kid and everyone's ignoring him and he works in a bowling alley. And at the very end you find out the reason why everyone's been ignoring him is because he's dead. Ah. So, yeah, it's a great show. And that guy, DJ McHale, you know, he's in the documentary. Uh, fantastic guy. So, uh, so kind, so great. And, you know, I, I give it up to him. Another thing that people don't think about to give that guy credit is with all the other shows that are great, that are fantastic, Salute Your Shorts, Hey, dude, all, all that. Great. I think all those shows are wonderful. You you got to find your guys your, and girls. You're, you got to find your cast. And then once you do, you're good. You know, yeah. like you find your Budnick, you find your Dina, you know, or on all that, you know, you find your Keenan, you find your Kel, you find your Elisa Reyes, you find your Lori Beth, and you're done. You you, you, you hire good people, and then you're good. Yeah, you get the and machine you you get the machine humming. You get the machine going. Yeah. But Are You Afraid of the Dark had a different cast on every single episode. Crazy. He had to recap every single episode. He had, and they're all pretty good. And if you look at the people that were on Are You Afraid of the Dark, how many of them went on to be super famous? It's kind of crazy. Like Ryan Gosling was on an early episode. Right. Uh, Nev Campbell, um, Elisha oh, Cuthbert was on. Oh man, I just watched Scream the other uh, day for the first time in a while. I love that movie. Nev. Yeah, 
Yeah, Nev- and she was on Are You? Fr- she was on an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So many uh, Hayden Christensen, you know Anakin Skywalker. He was he was on an episode of Are all these people. So clearly, DJ McHale and uh, and his team knew how to hire good good kid actors because they all you know they and even the ones that aren't like A or B list. Like if you look at them, because um, sometimes I'll I'll be watching an episode and I'll just you know, get on IMDb, like, you know, like we can do in this technology era. Um, and I'll just be like, whatever happened to that kid? And sure enough, they're, they're still doing stuff. You know, they may not be, you know, an A-list celebrity, but they're still doing movies, films, or commercials. Still working, so. still kicking butt. Still working. Yeah. yeah that's a great, uh, so are you, it, I think if I had to pick, are you afraid of the dark is my favorite just yeah. because I am such a horror film fan and I, I got to give that credit and it's such a good show. And I love, I love the, the whole, the whole idea of the Midnight Society Ugh. is so cool. I wish I had my own Midnight Society. I'd still do it. I'd still hang out. Scott, let's uh, um, let's start one, me and you. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah do we it. could meet up. Like even if it's like a virtual, it's like a one, Zoom. Yeah, yeah, we can have like little flashlights under our faces. Like, hey, okay, so yes, Andrew. Here's the story <laughs> of the Twisted Claw. You know? Oh man, I'm so down. And I loved how you know you guys really got into how the show was. I guess I had no idea it was originally going to be like you know fairy <laughs> yeah. tales. Right, and then they had this like old creepy guy like uh-huh. host. I guess kind of yep. kind of reminded me like the Crypt Keeper and like Creep Show and the EC Comics and all that. Isn't that funny? Like I love it when ideas start as one thing and end up as a totally different thing. Oh, you know, so cool. Speaking of which, you can find this on YouTube. Um, the the original clips of you can't do that on television was a totally different show and because it's a Canadian show. You oh know yeah, from Canada, didn't right? Make it. Yeah, that Nickelodeon did not make that show. They licensed. They it. licensed it right. And, uh, and, and, it, and it was cut – the version we saw here was cut down. Oh. But you can – like on on Canadian TV, one, they had musical guests. <laughs> so you'll see like oh, cool. in that same background, like a, a band will come out and play. And they also had like live segments where they would go out in the city or they'd be like, call, call here right now oh, like man on the uh, to win stuff. this – yeah, it was, it's crazy. And they just basically trimmed it down and only included the sketch comedy stuff. But it was originally a much longer show. And, yeah, it had live segments. It had all sorts. It had, yeah, man-on-the-street segments where they'd go Whoa. to a mall and, like, interview kids. And, yeah, the music, the bands were the weirdest things. It's funny because, you know, the Orange Years kind of starts with You Can't Do That on Television, a comedy sketch show, and ends with all that, a comedy sketch show. So, and they both had now, now to find out they were even more similar in that they both had musical guests is just kind of, cra- it's just kind of funny, you know, how that worked out. Yeah. No. And I love that you brought that up and we are going to be parlaying in a little bit into the 1997, yeah. uh, Nickelodeon produced, uh, Good Burger, which was yes. from all that. It was a sketch from all that, which is so cool. Yep. And then I got to see a big screen and I remember it being out and then I didn't see it in the theater, but I do remember seeing it on TV a lot. And, yeah, uh, me I'm, too. I'm excited to get back into that. But uh, I like that you guys talked about how in the early days they had to get creative. And this is such a big thing that I talk about on my show because there's so many times where too much money can actually choke out the creativity. Yes. And I loved how you guys did a whole section on that in, in the orange in the orange years about how, you know, in the beginning, the fledgling years, they were just trying stuff out. And that grittiness that we're talking about that really ended up nailing it and that gritty kind of naughtiness, just the yeah. right level was mm-hmm. spawned by not having all the money in the world and yeah. you know giving things a little bit of a rougher edge and mm-hmm. how that was so successful and gave it that kind of realness that kids really really picked up on I know I did yeah. uh me too whether it was conscious or not but um it really really blew me away how you know how 
just the passion of it and the idea of it that mm-hmm. pushed through all elements of it. And, you know, there's so many times, like in Jaws, you know, the shark would famously wouldn't work. And, right. Um, and then they went POV right. and that ended up being such a an iconic. It made it a better movie. It made it a better yeah. movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In Star Trek, the, the, that, uh, yep. the Star Trek, they wanted a shuttlecraft to take them to the, the planet every week, but they didn't have the money for the shuttle in the beginning. So they're like, all right, you're just going to stand on this pad and you're going to appear on the planet. And then that. Oh, ended I up didn't being, know that. Yeah. Yeah. Beaming. Um, they ended up getting and the shuttle like, down the road, but not right yeah. away. And that's like the biggest thing of Star of Star Trek is like beam me up, Scotty. Yeah, beam me up, Scotty. Yeah, that's like, that's it right there. Yeah, that's crazy. So the creativity yeah. that came from mm-hmm. not having like billions of dollars at your fingertips and just being yeah, when you're just always like, oh, we'll fix it in post. We'll put a big dinosaur over there in post. So we'll put these effects in post. It'll you know, be it fine. starts to it starts to get not person. Then you're not you're it's not personal anymore. It's not. Right. It's just like oh, some other guy that I probably will never even meet. It's like why the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park look better than the dinosaurs in Jurassic World. I know. You know, because back in the day, they were all part of the same team. And the the cinematographer and the director, they were trying to help. Yeah, they were like, okay, to make this easier on the uh on the, the the cg guys let's just have one dinosaur let's have it in the rain let's have it where there's only one light so that way it's not like you know to recreate a dinosaur in broad daylight is much harder than you know that first time you see the t-rex you know mm. first of all the most iconic thing is just that glass of water which exactly you know, it's yeah ki- it's kind of like like you said like jaws it's there's not even a dinosaur there but it's terrifying when you see that right the water rippling you know and then yeah when you do see the the t-rex he's like nighttime and it's raining you know and they did that purposely right, the layering of the frame yeah so the cgi guys could it, it was much easier for them yeah. yeah and i think yeah that's the same way with nickelodeon the fact that they had to they had to figure it out and be creative and work as a team uh just made it something that felt a lot more um real you know and from the heart mm-hmm. exactly man yeah you nailed it yeah did you know that that uh in jurassic park it was actually like a, a guitar string that they plucked Yes, I, yeah. I, I did hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I know. And Stuff to, like that, to, exactly. Give it that physical, visceral edge, you know? It's so terrifying when you see that. And yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's yeah, amazing. like you said, it's a freaking guitar string and a cup of water. You know, it's Boom. not this, you don't need to see all this crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, and to go, to, 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 to circle back around, like you were saying, um, we tell that story of how Are You Afraid of the Dark? We do this multiple times in the film. Um, where you know somebody's telling a story, and obviously we don't have any B-roll of that. No one was filming while this was happening, so we chose to illustrate those stories with animation. I'm so glad you brought that up because those those animation like vignette cutaways were unbelievable. Oh, thank so you! So good, Although, and they were so yeah. effective, and they they had the same kind of like Nick vibe and and, Nick and spirituality to them, you know. And that's another thing that was great. Um, the guy that did those, his name is Jeff Johnson, and um, He's another person I've been friends with for well over two decades. The first band I was ever in <laughs> in like 1995, we were we played oh, so together cool. in a in a band. Yeah, and and he he had gone on to be a, a great animator, and he always had that. He was real influenced by. Um, well, I don't want to speak for him, but uh, I know he's he was a big fan of John Chris Felucci and in uh, his animation style. Um, back back then, so I, I was like, man, I think you'd be perfect for this. That was great, great call. Um, and so I would, you know, and again, we were, I was able to work with him, you know, like we're good friends, right? And so we we worked together on. Um, uh, let me walk that back. I said, you're doing great. I, I take no credit for those animation things, but by working together, I just mean he was able to show me, and we were able. You were to having talk conversations, through. and it yeah, was it wasn't just like I. 
Yeah, if I'd handed yeah. it off to some guy in another city that I didn't know, that would have kind of sucked. But right. um, kind of bureaucratically the, handing it off. Right. Like, the fact that it was somebody that I knew, somebody that 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 I love, you know, that's like my brother, basically, uh, was really great to be able to do that. And another thing, I was editing the um, Pete and Pete part of the documentary, um, and we were just to kind of illustrate again how hands-on we were able to be which is my favorite part of indie filmmaking the bad news is you got to do it all yourself the good news is you get to do it all yourself and that's awesome yeah uh jeff our animator um like i said we've known each other and we were in a band together a long time ago back in the 90s um and uh and I wanted a song. I could hear it in my head. I wanted a song because I wanted kind of like indie rock music for the Pete and Pete part because, you know, that was one thing. Doing the music um, was difficult. I'd I'd love to give a shout out to the guy uh, that did all of our music, Darren Beck. But, you know, with a lot of documentaries, you can write three or four songs and then use them. But every segment had to have its own soundtrack. Its own personality. Yeah, every, like, you know, for for Salute Your Shorts, we play songs that sound kind of like Salute Your Shorts. For for Hey Dude, we play a lot of songs that are kind of country, you know, and Western. And and for Pete and Pete, I wanted music that sounded like Pete and Pete. And I wanted something in my head that sounded kind of like Dinosaur Jr. or maybe like Super Chunk. Yeah. And Jeff was showing me some animation uh, that he had done, and I was like... Hey man, would you want to just like record a couple of songs for the uh, for the Pete and Pete part? Because I, I want to do something kind of dinosaur Junior and I can't find anything online. Right. And, uh, and he was like, that spot. Yeah, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. So we we rented a studio called Sweetheart Studios in Austin from some amazing people, and uh, and we just recorded this song. So when they talk about Artie in the uh, in the in the doc, whenever we talk about Artie, the strongest man in the world, that's yeah. that's me and Jeff. So how cool is that Whoa. to, like, one one of the directors and one of the animators could also just, like, write some of the music. Just, like, listen and that, track. Yeah, and that, you know, that's Ren and Stimpy. The, 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 the theme song for Ren and Stimpy is, um, it's kind of like, you know, it was, like, almost like art imitating life. Like, we were almost, like, inspired by what we were hearing these creators did. Because Ren and Stimpy, their theme song was, like, a bunch of the animators just got together and recorded that. That's all the animators. Yeah. But uh, wow! Real quick, I I do I do love to to pump up as many people as I can. Yeah, please go ahead. I I always I feel bad when I when I leave people out, but but um, there's a a gentleman by the name of Darren Beck. He's in a band called Pinkish Black that is like amazing. I've always been a fan of 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 Darren Beck's music for a long time, and um, and he's a, a buddy of mine as well. Um, but I was really more of a fan of his. Uh, I lived in Dallas, Fort Worth for a little while, and and uh, he's 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 real big uh, in that that scene. He lives in Denton, and I just knew he was the right guy because uh, he also has done some stuff for like Funimation. So I knew I was like, okay, this guy can make this weird doom synth metal kind of stuff, and he can yeah. also write stuff for like Dragon Ball Z. He can do anything. He can do it all. So so he so he wrote uh the bulk of the music like almost all of the music was written by him and it's crazy that there's parts that are like real kind of John Carpenter synthy for the are you afraid of the dark part you know and then he's yeah. playing a slide a steel like slide guitar for the hey dude part and then he's writing some like 90s R&B for the all that stuff it's like Wow. What a talented dude to be able to do that. And he never was like, God, I got to write. He was never complained. He was really excited. He, I mean, he wrote like, like 50 different little songs for this, for this movie. Because yeah, like every, every section had to feel different. And it really did. It really, really did. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You guys nailed it. The opening, 
the opening titles we kind of recreate like the um you can't do that on television f- song for our opening opening titles of the movie and he wrote that and uh, i just uh, it's like boom 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 and it just I love that song. He's uh, I, I always got to sing Darren's praises. He's a super great guy. Um, so Pinkish Black, it, it might be something that you're into. It's good. Or if anyone listening, check out Pinkish Black. Um, yeah, I'll and, check him uh, out for sure. Yeah. He sounds great. Yeah, I mean, because you really captured like the spirit of all those vignettes of all like the different eras and the different shows. Yeah, and yeah. The music really, really, really cued those moments well. Yeah, so yeah, well. he he did a great job on the music, and Jeff just killed it. That animation is like. So, I I mean, it's great. It's what a great thing to get to work with your friend, but also like to look at your friend and go, I didn't hire you because you're my buddy. Like, even if I could have chosen, like, I I would have picked Jeff even if I hadn't known him, you know, like, like you said, he's got that, it's got that Nicktoon style to it. And it's just really good. It's, he, it's kind of gross. You know, Jeff loves drawing gross stuff and it is. So yeah, he, he did like a double dare. There's a part with double dare where he recreates a fantastic story. Mark did. He recreates another story where all the Nick execs kind of had their aha moment. Um, yes. And then right. he recreates. Yeah. A when couple they're talking of about ones. when kids are, kids yeah. can have it hard. Mm-hmm. He recreate, and I, I won't give any more away, but yeah, he, he recreates about four or five stories uh, that people told uh, that, you know, obviously, you know, it's it, watching someone just talk is great. But if you can illustrate it, that's always a little bit better. So um, he, he helped bring those wonderful stories that the, the that the Nick people uh, told to life. Yeah. And in the style of Nick and in the, the spirit mm-hmm. of it, and it's, it's perfect, man. Yeah. Wow, what a cool thing. Yeah. This is uh, such an exciting project. And you guys really just oh, nailed the that you. childlike wonder. I was a, I was a kid again watching mm-hmm. your doc, Scott. Oh, great. That's certainly how I felt. You know, the you, you talk about the the, the, the show uh, that was the most important, but the interview that was that really took me um, you know, to a very special place was getting to interview Geraldine Laybourne. Um, funny story, the, the, the movie is about her and she was one of the last um, interviews that we did. That you got to, yeah. Uh huh. Because she just doesn't do. You look. You can look around. She just doesn't do a lot of interviews. She doesn't really appear. She just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't do a lot of interviews, and she especially doesn't do a lot of interviews about Nickelodeon, um, because I think a lot of times people want to ask her questions, kind of that, you know, make fun of other like some of her, the people that came after her, or you know, and she's just not about that. Trying. She you know she's not trying to come in and go. Oh, wasn't Nick better when I was in charge? Right. That's not her. That's not who she is. Or, uh, oh, man, didn't Nick go in the crapper lately? You know, she doesn't want to answer questions like that. And I wouldn't either. Um, yeah, no. And um, Who would want to? It is gross. Yeah. And she is like, man, like so many people were amazing. Like I, I, I could tell stories all day about getting to meet like all these people. But, you know, I mean, she's one of those people that's like a, a legit like visionary. Yeah. You know, like like it's like meeting Steve Jobs. I was just going to say or, like a Steve Jobs type. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly, because, you know, a little background on her, you know, she was president of Nickelodeon, then she went on to be president of the Disney Channel, and then after that, she founded the Oxygen Network with uh, Oprah, you know? Wow. I mean, she's just a titan. She's just, she's one of those people that, that isn't like it, regular people, you know? Like, she's, she's a legit, like, Gandalf, (laughs) you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. And and, it. and it was so crazy because the movie is about her. It's like, hey, 
I'm making a movie about your life. Please be in it. You know that like that's how we had to kind of reach out to her. Yeah, I was um, just gonna say, what did you have to? Did you have to like say anything or prep it at all? Or well, um, did she test luckily, you at all that you like understood the passion of the whole thing? Uh, well, or? well, one one thing. Well, I I got to give credit where credit is due and prop somebody else up, and that is uh, Adam F. Goldberg. Um and uh, how fortunate were we to get to work with that guy? Yeah. Um. We we debuted our trailer at um at Do- uh, at uh, New York City Comic Con in uh, 2017. Okay. And uh, or maybe t- yeah, I get it, it's after 2020. I apologize. Like my year, this yeah one month feels like a year, and one year feels like a month. Yeah, don't apologize. We deb- We're all there. Time. <laughs> what does it all mean? <laughs> we we debuted our our trailer there, and we hadn't interviewed her yet, and uh, we we kind of. Figured we just wouldn't get to, you know, there are some docs where the main person just isn't in it. And yeah, and you just build them up to be this magical unicorn Sasquatch thing that, you, <laughs> that you don't deserve to see. Yeah, that's kind of what we were going to do. Yeah. And we debuted it there. And then um, um, because of that, one of our producers was able to get it in the hands of Adam F. Goldberg um, from the show, The Goldbergs. Yeah. And he was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, uh, let me come on and let me help you guys. Oh, heck yeah. And wh- what a like what a fantastic guy um to just do that like any he, and he yeah. just he wasn't trying to make money he's not he, just he did wasn't it trying to he wanted to be part of it and he, because he, he loves it. helping yep up and coming filmmakers so he yeah. goes what do you need what do you need what what uh what what um cuz we told him we're like hey we're pretty much done we filmed you know we filmed pretty much everybody and he goes make me a list of everybody that you 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 wish you had gotten that you didn't get and uh and I'll get them and uh wow. so we did and it was only about four people and he and he goes, hey man, um, they all said yes, <laughs> like that, like it was insane. Oh, uh, that must and, have been uh, such and, a big moment for you guys. And we, yeah, it was, and and we got to interview uh, a couple of people, one of which was Geraldine Layborn on the set of the Goldbergs. He Ugh. he provided he provided his set for for us, like hey, yeah, you can yeah, film. You need a space? On, on, here you go, right here. Yeah, and we're like, uh, oh my god, like wow. So I gotta I gotta say, like it's always great to find people that that are doing really well, that are very very famous and wealthy and all that that are uh amazing people and deserve it you know and that's yes. Goldberg. but anyway um he had um he knew geraldine Layborn's son and uh and so he was able to open that door for us and the fact that we'd animated that bit um she really got a kick out of that uh we her son is in our movie as an animated character and she goes Oh, you guys are the ones that animated my son. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I'll do it. You know, like awesome. she thought that was great. But when yeah. I got to meet her, it's like, oh my God. You know, first of all, I'm on the set of the Goldberg. So I have all these people that <laughs> that have been in film for years around me looking at me like, oh God, trust me, we know what we're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, so and and, and and here it is. This is it. This is the moment. This is the person that we've been making this movie about. Like, I finally get to interview her. So that's nerve-wracking enough, you know, that like we're getting to meet the lady that this is about. And I hope she likes it, you know? And then on top of that, the fact that, oh, and she's also, like, one of the most influential people, like, uh, you know, of our time. And you could tell, no and it was deal. crazy because she understands people on a level that most of us don't. And she just, I was super nervous, you know? I was, like, trying not to show it, you know? And I never got nervous through the whole thing, but I, I'll admit it. I was a little bit nervous this day. I hope I do good. And uh, and I hear her voice, and and she's just got this voice, like, that calms me down immediately. She goes, hi, Scott. And she's like, 
you've been making a movie about me. And I was like, yeah, I have. <laughs> um, and she's like, mm, did you watch Nickelodeon when you were little? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot. And she goes, mm, what kind of a little boy were you? And she just immediately asked me what kind of a little boy I was. I was like, well, you know, I was shy. I was quiet. You know, I, I love drawing. And she goes, mm, I can tell that. Yeah. She goes, and now you're still creative. You know, you're still doing creative things as you grew up. And I was like, yeah. She's like, that's very interesting. You know, and and immediately yeah. I just felt I I felt good. I I, I don't know what it, it was warmed. like. Seriously, yeah. to go back to the Gandalf thing, it was like she cast a spell, and I was no like I, I she immediately made me feel like warmed and welcomed. Sucked and all the anxiety out of the room. Just sucked all the anxiety out. I felt good, and uh, and she gave us an amazing interview. It was so. Awesome. Her and uh, you know Ann Sweeney, uh, their interviews together really carry the uh, the movie. You know because we're essentially telling their story. Yeah, we're telling the story of Pete and Pete. Are you afraid of the dark? But we're really telling the story of the network. And yes. uh, I mean Ann Sweeney. Talk about another person that. I mean, she was later on president of uh, of 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 the Disney Channel and was late. Now she's on the board of directors at Netflix, and uh, she's. I got to sing both of those people's praises. Uh, those are two people that um, absolutely did not have to be interviewed for our uh, independent documentary, and they did, and they came prepared with their facts, and it was just, it was awesome. Well, that's great. I mean, they they picked up that you guys were for real, you know, and this is this was a real deal. Yeah, I I, I hope. Yeah, I, I like to think that that they 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 got a. I think that Geraldine Layborn is a really good judge of character, and she can tell when somebody is, and I think that's why she um hired great people to to create shows you know she was able to like some people you know like like analyze someone and tell if they if they can if they're if they're a good person or not and i i like to think that she 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 saw what we were doing and this isn't a scandal it we're not trying to tell like what's amanda Bynes doing now you know <laughs> right. who was who was hooking up with who you know it's like no nah, man like this story doesn't need that crap, you know. It doesn't. It's a. Tri- this is a triumphant story, you know. It is. And and I think a story of an under like we didn't need to create controversy for this to be good. It's a story of a network that started as this failing experiment in Columbus, Ohio, that was just like kind of cool, but also like too bizarre and too out there, and 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 turned that around into something that now is literally as big as the Disney Channel. I know, you know like. It was a local, like basically a public access channel in Columbus, Ohio, that was failing and was going to be shut down. And now, I mean, if you ask little kids, if you show them a picture of Mickey Mouse and SpongeBob, I guarantee you they'll probably all know who they are. But 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 SpongeBob would probably beat Mickey. SpongeBob you know would, would I mean? win out. I think. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. for sure. They have their Mickey now. They have their Mickey Mouse. Yeah, and SpongeBob. you guys really captured how it was that like little little cable network that could that just. Mm. They nailed the idea, the ideology down and they got it and they they converted that into, you know, under the leadership that you're you're talking about here. And yeah, they they were able to follow through into all aspects of it and they grew it and they did it. And and yeah, like you said, it's a triumph. It it really is. Yeah, that's what we want to do from the beginning. We knew this was a a triumphant story of people that faced, uh, you know, adversity and, and won. And yeah, like going into like, you know, to me, doing something kind of exploitive. Um, and taking people, you know, like Amanda Bynes or whatever, who, who are, um, you know, going through some really heavy stuff and have probably been through a lot of bad and, and, and exploiting that for our own 
for the sake of like gossip money. or whatever. Yeah, I I just didn't want to do that. And there have been people like, oh, I wish there, I wish they would have had more gone into that kind of stuff. It's like, well, cool, man. www.tmz.com is right there for you anytime. Yeah, you need go it, go over know? there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or make your make your own duck if you want. But you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is what we're about exactly. Yeah. Wow, so cool. I mean. Yeah, honestly, it's it's really it really captured the essence and the wonder of of Nick and the passion of Nick, and it's like you were saying, you guys were you're doing animations that kind of depicted that passion. You were creating music that yeah, depicted that yeah. passion, and it, it it brought it. It really brought it. I I teared up. I really did. I I mean, you guys oh, man, just nailed you. it so hard, knocked it out of the park. Thank you. I I I've had a blast making this documentary. My only regret is I couldn't have made turned it into three. <laughs> I would have loved. Yeah, to you were saying on the phone that part. like a, like a series or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have turned it into a docu series. If that ever can happen, I want to do it because, you know, there's just uh, you know we, we had a good problem, which is that we weren't searching for things. Um, we weren't ever going. Oh man, I wish we had more. We were always saying. Dang, how do we do these? How do we do this justice in right. ninety minutes? In ninety you know, minutes, how do we right? Do, you know, and and that's ultimately what we we realized is like focusing on Geraldine Laybourne is the way to go. Yeah, and then kind of the show, you know, and the other thing is like people will always say, "Oh man, I wish you focused on this show," or "I wish you did this," and 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 my answer is always like, "Me too," <laughs> you know. But like we had to pick and choose. So the shows that are featured are kind of the shows that were like told, help tell the Nickelodeon story. You know, for right. example, Double Dare was the first show they ever made themselves. That was the first show. Right. So first that's in-house. why Double Dare. Yeah. yeah, that was the first in-house show, you know. And then Hey Dude was the first, like, scripted show that scripted they made. Scripted like sitcoms. Yeah. Like a sitcom, not like, you know, before that they made game shows and things like that. Right. And then, yeah, you know, like Ren and Stimpy and Doug, those were those were the first, and Rugrats, those were the first cartoons. Animation, so, yeah. Yeah, those were, they were, they, they all the, the ones that we focus on are the ones that kind of tell the story. And yeah, I would have loved to have focused on every single show Nickelodeon ever put out between you know 1980 and 2000. But um, I yeah. think we found a way to give them all at least a little, a little nod. You know, we there's a lot of shows if they're not featured, if they don't have a full on section, we at least give them a nice nod. You know, hey, yeah. this, remember this show? You know, and, right. and kind of show where it fits in. Well, I think it was good because you, you guys gave it that nucleus of like how you know how did what was new about this show that yeah, for Nick why, for Nick yeah. exactly yeah. So I felt like you guys covered a lot of ground and and, oh, and it gave it that pointedness. Um, yes, focusing on Jerry and then the network growing yeah. and all that. So, all right, the Orange Years, the Nickelodeon story, now available on DVD and Blu-ray, digital download, and for rent on Amazon. So please, everyone, check this thing out. It will warm your heart, and we need more feel good right now. So please. Do it for you. We're just so excited for people to finally get to see this yeah. this thing we've been working on for so long. We're so excited. The fact that people seem to be into it, you know, because you never know. You know, you never know. And, and the fact that people like so far, the response has been like, I want to see this. This is great. So we're really we feel really fortunate that that, that people are, are showing interest in it. And I I hope people check it out. Yeah. And, you know, I know it wasn't the plan to release this year all along. And, you know, nobody knew 2020 <laughs> would be 2020. But <laughs> Honestly, uh, I mean, I know speaking for myself doing this show, I've gotten to go back into kind of nostalgia, checking out movies mm-hmm, that are formative mm-hmm. to my guests and me. And yeah, and it's given me this nice kind of cocoon of like nostalgia to kind of really nurture ourselves. And we really need it right now. So I really think I mean, I think this, you know, this documentary comes at a perfect time and it would have always been the perfect time no matter what. But 
Yeah. Particularly this year, I think like I, I can speak for myself just watching it now. I just had a, a smile on my face the whole time. And thank you. It's been a, ru- yeah, that's it's been a rough that, year. It's been a rough year. That's something, you know, Adam and I had talked about before, um, you know, where it is. a You know, we wanted this to come out a long time ago and, you know, we we didn't want it to come out in the middle of a pandemic. You know, yeah. it would be great to put it in a theater and get to see it with people. I mean, we did. Doc NYC, we did get to play it in a theater once. But, you know, um, part of you says, I almost felt bad posting about it. You know, I was like, with so much craziness going on in the world, like, I'm, po- I'm posting about this Nickelodeon doc, you know. And, and part of me, I, I kind of had to come to the realization, like, they're, the court jester, there's a reason why they have those. You yes, know? Like, it's, a, it's a legit service that's needed so you know, darly. Yeah, and that's kind of how I'm, I'm looking at it. You know, I know there's a lot going on in the world that's a lot more important than watching a, a, a nostalgia doc, but I hope that it makes people smile, you know. Uh, you know, I think Nickelodeon helped a lot of people that were maybe going through difficult things back then in their personal life, and so I hope people watch this. And, and you know, without getting too much into it, um, you know, we – we started making this in 2016 and, you know, now there's been a real great progressive push in media and we didn't mean to do that. You know, it was just, we, we just told the story as it is. So, you know, to hear Jerry Laybourne, you know, being the president of Nickelodeon, that was not a, a very normal thing um, back in the eighties. It's still kind of not a normal thing now. And so I think that there is a triumphant story there for people to, uh, to kind of look at. I do think it, it, it touches on some topical things. Um, uh, even though it is overall just a, you know, a, a really fun, a fun triumphant doc, it touches on some some issues, and I, and, but ultimately, yes, I hope it just maybe you know, in the midst of all this craziness, it, it can make somebody smile. Yeah, well, you already succeeded because I was, like I said, <laughs> great ear to ear, and you know, just that connection that Nick had with with the kids and not talking down to them, and and like yeah. and like yeah, and you guys, not to over politicize it, but like people over money, you know. I really feel yeah. like that was that was the message, and unfortunately now we're seeing a, a push pull with the economy, with safety and money. Um, yeah, and uh, I really feel like we all need to hear it. Like accessing people, talking to them like they're people, yeah. no matter what their age, their demographic, their blah blah yeah. blah religion. Just if you can have that connection, and I think you guys brought that. How Nick was able to do that so well, and I think it's a really needed thing right now. So yeah. Honestly, I, I think have it's the say, perfect timing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Our, our job was easy. All we had to do was tell the truth. You know, the story, the story was all. I give all the credit to them for making history. All we had to do was just do the research and and tell a story that was already there. So yeah, they they made our job very easy. Yeah. Well, you said so. Um, you weren't. Did you wake up one day and say I want to be a docu filmmaker? You said it was kind of like. You guys were pitching or like kind of kicking ideas around and said this is something we can actually feasibly do as a documentary. Yeah. Um, would you think you want to continue uh, docu? Oh, you know. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you get the docu bug? I got the docu bug. It's funny because it's like I kind of realized um, that this is something where I can use my skills. You know, yeah. like I feel like in a lot of filmmaking, they're saying being able to do a bunch of different things is not good. Like focus on one thing. And I feel like with documentary filmmaking, you know, I, I like I, I kind of mentioned before, I kind of came from like a like a punk rock background. I played in bands and stuff like that. And so just the idea of going on the road with like three dudes, you know, sleeping in a van is fun <laughs> to yeah. me. And, and I've kind of found, you know, like, you know, and I love that. Like if you have three guys or girls that know what they're doing, 
you can make a documentary, you know, and you do not need, um, you don't need a bunch of stuff. And so I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I love the fact that you can, uh, you know, I love the whole process from reaching out and, and booking the interviews to um, filming the interviews. I have a blast. I've got to work with a lot of talented cinematographers uh, on the Orange Years. Our, um, our cinematographer was a guy named Sean Coffin. And uh, just watching him work, you know, we get in a room that looks like crap, you know, and we've got like, you know, we've got equipment, but it's not the best, you know, it's not like what they're, it's certainly not what they're filming the Avengers on. Right, you know? big Hollywood and he's able to go, you know, he's able to go, okay, here's how we film it right here like this. Boom, 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 boom. And then I look at it and I go, wow, <laughs> this guy made an awesome looking shot. So I learned a lot from him in terms of like framing up shots and stuff like that. And uh, I got to learn a lot about him uh, or I got to learn a lot from Sean. Um, and then I learned a lot from a guy named um, uh, Bradford Thomason, um, who who helped edit the film. And and Brad is another one of those guys where I got to um, I got I got to work with someone I was a fan of. You know, kind of like Darren. I was a fan of Darren. I mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I'm notorious for if I if I watch a movie I like, I'll just send the director or writer an email and be like, Hey, I love your movie. Oh, that's great. And, you want to talk? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I met a lot of people that way. I need know? to start doing that. Almost, I feel like I want to do that all the time. People, yeah, people are almost taken aback. Like they're like, they're like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. You want to? What do you want to talk about? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Movies. Like I don't care. Want to just hang and, out? Uh, yeah. You want to hang out? And so I, I, I had watched a movie called The Rockafire Explosion. Uh, Adam and I had watched it uh, in preparation for the movie. We watched some other kind of movies that we wanted to use. Look at movies that were talking about stuff in the past that also used a lot of archival footage to see how other people handled that. And uh, Rock of Fire Explosion is about um, Showbiz Pizza and the, particularly the animatronic band there. And I saw that that team also did a documentary about Glow, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, and I watched those. And, um, and I saw it was edited by a guy named Bradford, and uh, I reached out to him. And I was like, hey, man, like, I just really love your work. I love the way you edit. Um, would you ever want to talk to talk to me? And <laughs> he's like, okay, yeah. Turns yeah. out he's from he's from Texas too, and we hit it off. And he helped me edit it, and I learned so much about oh, editing wow. from him. That's um, such a cool story. Yeah, he's got a movie called Jasper Mall out right now. That's freaking insane. Like, it's one of those things. He's so good. He's one of those guys. It's like, man, screw you for being so talented. Like, I don't even want to make movies anymore because of how good you are. Yeah, you're just like, good Jasper, at everything. How dare you? You're just good. Like, Jasper Mall is about a dying mall. It's just about a mall that's in the middle of Alabama that's that's dying and it's going away. Like, And you go, how can that be interesting? But pff, it's one of the most interesting docs I've seen in a long time. It's awesome. I'll check but, it out. Um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed the process. I made – you know, I obviously I got to work with a lot of people like Adam and Jeff that I've been – I mean, to get to work with your childhood friends. How freaking cool is it's that? It's so cool. But then to make new friends as well, you know, as you get older, you think, like, I probably have all the friends I'll ever have. You know, like, you start – it's harder to make friends as you get older. And right. to, to make new friends like Bradford and Bill Park, handsome Bill Parks. And um, there's another guy named Lee Leshin who, who, who lives in New York who, who, who produced a lot of documentaries that helped us out with the movie. He's an exec producer on it. He'd, he, had, he had produced um, Ghost Heads and uh, Back in Time which is a Back to the Future documentary. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah, it was great. It's great. And then he just did one uh, called Waldo on Weed that's kind of about like CBD oil. He's, he was a producer. Oh, wow, that. cool. Um, and yeah, he's just a great – so I got to make all these new friends. So yeah, I'm, I'm hooked. 
And uh, yeah, I'm I'm super hooked on documentary filmmaking. Working on another one um, right now. Great. Uh, I'm not going to say what it is, but um, we covered it in this conversation, and I got slimed even more than I got slimed in the Nickelodeon one. Let me guess, Guar. I can't say. Oh, you've already <laughs> you've already said too much, sir. <laughs> That's great. Well, dude, yeah, please don't stop. Um, you obviously have a have a have a gift for this, so and the passion, and you know, is is definitely there. Well, thank you. I got I got to work. I, I mean, I got to work with amazing people. You know, Adam, Jeff, Bill, Lee, Sean. I mean, it, it, in, in a way, I kind of uh, the analogy that I use is like uh, like the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you the know, fellowship. like. Uh, the fellowship, like yeah. it started with just a couple of hobbits, me and Adam, you yeah, know, two, yeah. guy, two guys in the middle of Texas with just a hope and a dream, <laughs> right? And that's it. But but to say that we did this is 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 not right. It's not correct. Like as we moved out of the Shire, yeah, as we moved out, we got so we we met Bill in California and Lee in New York, and then uh you know Elisa in L.A. She was she was on all that, and she she was she served as a producer on the film. And then, you know, we met Sean, you know, who helped us film the whole thing and just gave us advice the whole way. And, uh, you know, we met a lot of uh, um, amazing people like it might have started with us, but very quickly it became something way bigger than us that uh, you you take any of those people out. This film wouldn't have been made just to put it total team sport. It really is. Totally. Yeah. All right, sir. Yeah. Well, shall we take another look at this 1997 gem? With Keenan and Kel? Yes! <laughs> we should. I can't wait. All right, good burger. It's time to put our times behind. Get all the bad things off your mind. He's feeling good. She's feeling good. We're feeling good, yeah. Just hanging out. Just having fun. We're not- okay, Scott Barber and I have just watched <laughs> the 1997 Nickelodeon classic from director Brian Robbins, written by Dan Schneider. Kevin Kapalow and Heath Seifert. Heath Seifert. Yes. Uh, Good Burger. Wow. Yeah. That was so much fun. It's a great film. Yeah. It really holds up. It really holds up. Um, it does. Um, yeah. And what it's, are your it, it's funny how you were like, you know, sometimes you look back at things as an adult mm-hmm. and I mean yes. I probably haven't seen this since like 99 or something like that mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I probably watched it like five or six times between 97 and 99 um, but I found myself laughing out loud me too a ton. yeah um, I forgot how much of like an action movie this is yeah it's so I know, like, physical right? yeah like when they have to climb like up onto Mondo Burger and like get into yeah, the straw yeah, exactly. and stuff like they're climbing on buildings and stuff. Yeah, it's right. It, it, it is. Yeah, you're right. It's a lot more of an action movie than you you kind of initially. If you haven't seen it in a while, you know you you, you don't remember that that level of action uh, in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and even the beginning where uh, you know this, like where uh, Keenan um, basically hits Sinbad's car and that kind of sparks it all off. So he has to yeah. come up with the money. That whole sequence, like I was like, oh my god, like. You know, they almost the car's spinning around. And yeah, around the car's and spinning around. around. They around. almost hit yeah. Kel, and he's like, "Oh!" And Kel's on the rollerblades, and Keenan has to like grip the wheel and yeah, do the big spin. And uh, man, I mean, these sequences are, are just so fun and, and larger than life at times. And uh, yeah, I and then 
there's moments where people probably would have gotten seriously hurt if that actually happened, but, you know, we're kind of in this very Nickelodeon... Cartoony kind cartoony of Cartoony space. Yeah. yeah, it's very, like, live-action cartoon. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so, real quick on the plot. Yeah, Keenan almost kills Kel and then is able to swerve and then basically destroys Sinbad's car and uh, has to come up with the money. So he has to get a summer job where his goal was just to coast through the summer. You know, right. the, the second the bell rang in the beginning, is like, all right, summer, I'm done. He's just kind of, like, coasting. But, yeah, and uh, he's kind of a Ferris Bueller-type character. Yes. He's, he's lovable, but he's kind of, like, uh, a little bit of, like, a, what would you say, cocky, kind of self-centered. Right, cocky, self-centered, doesn't really care about anybody else. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sinbad's trying to reach out to him and, like, you know, wants to do his teacherly duty. But he's like, <laughs> ah, whatever, man, you should look at yourself, look at your hair, look at your outfit, Blah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so... This kind of thrusts him into the world of Good Burger, which is this Ma and Pa kind of, you get the idea that it's not a chain, it's just a one-off. Um, right. Run by Dan Schneider, play, you know, Mr. Bailey, played by Dan Schneider, who yeah. uh, is really cool that, you know, he's, he's an actor as well. And what I caught on this viewing was the claymation burger in the beginning part reminded me of a movie called Better Off Dead. 1985, John Cusack, and he's like working at a burger place, and the boss comes and like yells at him. Okay. And I was like, oh my goodness, Dan Schneider is in. He plays like the neighbor across oh. the street that uh, really that he doesn't really like very much. He's kind of a rival. <laughs> um, anyway, not to, not to get too much off topic, but I actually felt yeah. like maybe Better Off Dead was like proto Good Burger, and some of those ideas. Because that dancing claymation burger, like, yeah. with face. Um, well, anyway, you haven't seen the movie. I don't want to go into it. But it's a great film. 1985, Better Off Dead. You I'll just check it, check out. it yeah. out. Check it out. He gets dumped by yeah, his girlfriend, he and he's, like, suicidal. And uh, Yeah, I'm, wonder- okay. I'm wondering if uh, maybe that was rattling around in there. Because it kind of had that element mm-hmm. of, like, kids that have to get a job. And, you know, they're, uh-huh. Uh-huh. right. Um, for different reasons, but. <laughs> yeah, not because they hit Sinbad's car. Not because they hit Sinbad. Poor Sinbad. Poor Sinbad. He just can't know, catch a like, break. And, and it's kind of the same as like Ferris Bueller in that Sinbad isn't really a bad guy. Like he's a teacher, and all he wants is for uh, Keenan's character Dexter to pay attention. <laughs> so that makes him a horrible person, right? And then he gets his <laughs> car wrecked, and all he wants is Keenan to like pay him what he's owed. Yeah. And, but yeah, he's like the villain of this movie, very similar to like the. The principal in Ferris Bueller house, like he just wants kids to go to school, but he is a horrible villain for that in that movie. Yeah, you know? how dare he do his job? How dare you? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. No, but there's there's an element of kind of like you can't do that on television and whatnot. I'm really glad we landed on this movie because I really think it, it encapsulates yeah. so much about Nickelodeon, and we don't really we don't get the parents. You know, yeah. we it's very much like they're on their own. It's like kids yep. that have to grow yeah. and learn on their own. True. That's so, you know, front and center. Kind of learn about life, the crushes and the bosses, and how to, yep. and I had to navigate all that. Um, so, IMDb says this movie. Okay, so like the basically like the quick synopsis is: two dim-witted teenagers are forced to save the fast food restaurant they mm-hmm. work at from going out of business, mm-hmm. despite a new and improved burger joint opening across the street that yep. wants to be the top dog in the fast food industry. And top dog is. In quotes, um, which is kind of not a, the literal top dog, the figurative top the dog. The figurative so they, top dog. 
<laughs> and then, of course, dogs don't like Mondo Burger because they know that it's bullcrap and it's yeah. got chemicals in it. Yep. Um, Even that dog would not eat that Mondo Burger. Exactly. Now, you know, I couldn't help but think, like, okay, we landed on this movie because it's Nick and, you know, Paris Leader right. documentary. Right. Um, and it was a Nick produced movie and uh, theatrical. It did well. It was like an eight, some eight and a half million dollar movie that I almost think did like three times its money back you know, domestically. But I couldn't help but think how, and maybe this is me, you know, looking through the zeitgeist of 2020, but like big business versus the little guy and how much know, we're seeing yeah. so much of this right now. Yeah. I, I love that. And that, that to me is what, what makes the movie. It, it's, yeah. It, it, it's just like, I mean, if you tell a story of the little guy versus the big Goliath, that's going to be, it's, it's, you have to really try hard to mess that up. You know, it's like star Wars, you know, the right. scrappy rebels versus the big empire, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I, I truly feel one thing that, um, a guy named Zach Carlson said to me a long time ago um, when we were working on the Orange Years is Good Burger is an 80s movie made in the 90s. Oh, I love that. And I think that's so true because so many 80s, you know, we were, you know, like you said, we're dealing with it now. Everything's cyclical. We're dealing with it now. Big business versus the crushing the little guy, the rich kind of eating the, the, the poor. Yeah. Uh, and that was real big. That was a real big theme in the 80s. Yeah. You know, with like, you know, you look at like Gremlins 2, you know, talking about the big corporation. Yeah, they live. These gremlins. You're talking about Carpenter earlier. They, yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So it really did feel like an 80s movie that was just made in the 90s. I know. Uh, because, yeah. And I, I love that. I love I love the whole whole aspect of uh, um, the, the the big the big burger company that comes uh, in. Mondo Burger. They're gonna sh- Mondo Burger. Yeah. yeah they're going to shut down. The little good burger. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just a cool story. You know, here's the little scrappy good burger that's going to try to take on this big corporation that's destined to take them down. Yeah, Empire Records. There's another. There's oh, another Empire one Records. Is great. Yeah, it. what have been the year before? Like the, I think ninety six. Uh, okay, yeah, something like that. I remember it was ninety eight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I couldn't help but think. And of course, I watched. I watched your guys's doc, The Orange Years, okay. and then I watched Good Burger, and I couldn't help but feel like. It was like Nickelodeon in the beginning, right? They were, yeah, they were kind of yeah. being a little bit bullied by like the bigger people. Like, we're not going to give you content. You're just this fledgling little crappy yep. cable network. We're not going to give you guys anything. And yeah, uh, and they just kind of had the vision of what was pure and what was innocent, which I thought was really well uh, metaphored by the sauce. You know, oh, yeah. Kel Mitchell's sauce. What is the secret sauce? What is the secret yeah. sauce? He never, he never is given a chance to fully you say it. Never find all. out. Yeah, he get, kind of starts a couple times, and then uh, Keenan's like, "No, no, no, don't, don't give it away." Um, yeah, yeah. And so, to me, I couldn't help but feel like this is so 2020, where you know, big businesses. I'm not trying to say like big business is evil, and it's right. It's not oh, always. Yeah. It's not always that like clear black and white. I'm not trying to say that, but you know. When giant companies are getting tax cuts and the little guys and the little, you know, private owned Mm -hmm. businesses and the American dream is really make a business for yourself. Right. I still think that's the true American dream. And then when, you know, big business is getting handouts and getting bailed out, you know, in 2008 and then again this year. um, And then the little guys just getting wrecked and and stepped on. And the disparities we're seeing in the economy now in 2020 that are being so brought to to light by the pandemic. And. I can't help but be like, Good Burger, man, this is so pure and such yeah. a good story. And then also coming of age, you know, learning about friendship. Yep. And what I liked mm-hmm. was how um, 
Keenan is tempted by. You know, he's just trying to make his money back to to pay yeah. Sinbad yeah. off. But then the greed kind of starts to take hold, right? Yep. And Kel's portrayed as more the innocent. I mean, I guess they're both dim-witted, which is such a kind of mean thing to call somebody. But It is. <laughs> but Keenan's character, you know, Kel's character is very much, he reminds me of like Bill and Ted. You know, I'm so just, glad you said that. He's like the, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, he's it's it's not that he's dumb. It's just he's a very simple person. He doesn't right. have a lot of common sense. He takes things. Lit- he's a lot, a little bit like Drax from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He, he, oh he yeah, heck things. yeah. You know, there's that line where where Dexter uh, Keenan's character says, "I don't know how to say this," and uh, and and Kel goes like this. You just say the is. He's like this. This. Yeah. He takes everything <laughs> super literal. Yeah, that was um, great. But Keenan. Keenan's character to me wasn't dim-witted at all. He was very much, especially for like a young kid, um, smart, you know, like, and that's kind of, it almost, almost too smart. He's too clever. Right. Always divide. He always has a scheme. He always has a plan and he kind of has to unlearn that, that, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I like how they do that. How in a way for a minute, he's no better than Mondo Burger. He's, he's trying yes, to take advantage exactly. of Kel too. He's trying to take advantage um, of Kel. And then, mm-hmm. uh, was it Monique, the girl that he's interested in yeah has to. Who, yeah played by char jackson who she just does a fantastic job, Great job you know that that love story between her and dexter um it, it, it just doesn't there's not much time for it because there's so much else so going much on going on so you have to sell that these two characters are kind of maybe not falling in love but at least like a kid version of that and and she does it yeah they nailed you it. know like i i love that i love the way that she responds to his character like i do like you you know because you're at first i didn't but you know now you're showing me this other side you're really great um i just i was blown away by how like you know i mean i knew it was a good movie but i was like man that's just like like what a job for her to have to do you know you have to you have to make Keenan seemed lovable, which up until that point in the movie, he, he really wasn't. You know, he was not necessarily the villain, but kind of the foil. He is ta- right. he's taking advantage of Kel. He, he, the only reason he's even working here is because he he, he, he has to. to. Yeah. He wrecked his mom's car. Which uh, he shouldn't have been driving. And, didn't even have a license. Which he shouldn't have been. Yeah, he was, he was breaking the law. Yeah. And, uh, and she makes him seem lovable. You know, through her, you see him through her eyes. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, that's cool. So yeah, I was really. She gets she 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 gets um, my accolades big time. Shar Jackson, great job as Monique. Yeah, she crushed it. Yeah, and like we said, we got Sinbad. Let's talk about some more of the cast. Yeah. Um, Abe Vigoda as Otis as like <laughs> right? the elderly employee. Yeah. He was so great, and he brought so good. I mean, obviously a lot of the the physical comedy. Uh, you know, he's like literally got like the respirator on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the line that really hit me in the gut was when he tastes the sauce, and he's like. The sauce made me not want to made me not want to die anymore or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh my so god, good. it's so good. And he and he and he like yeah. and, he sailed, and he sold it. Not in a, you know, obviously he's got the one liners and like you said, there's a lot going yeah, on. You don't yeah, always yeah. have to support the ensemble uh side yeah. side cast. But yeah, everyone really, really brought it. Um yeah, Dan Schneider as Mr. Bailey, he was so great. You really feel his pain. Um, yeah. and then that that hopeful wonder when the sauce is starting to wit work and it's like, oh my god, and then of course he's paying He's paying Kel, which I th- you know ten yeah. ten cents uh ten yeah. cents a burger, Good guy. right? Yeah, like, yeah, it kind of yeah. shows the difference between him versus Mondo Burger, like who doesn't care about their employees, know, doesn't care at all. Whereas this guy didn't have to do that, you know. Uh, Dan Schneider's Mister Mister Bailey, he didn't have to do that, 
but he's like, hey, man, you saved our business, so I'm going to give you, you know, I forget how much it is. but Yeah, I think it was like 10 cents a burger or something. Yeah, 10 cents every time they yeah. sell a burger. Like He wow, gave them like, like 60 uh, bucks that one time, and so they were like, oh, okay, that's like 600 burgers, I guess, you know? Yeah, so they, yeah, yeah. So they, they moved that many burgers that day, which that seems like a lot of burgers. So that's a lot of burgers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then if there's fries and drinks involved, I mean, we're talking money here. They're doing good. Not they're, they're not doing bad. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love that constant foil. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so the villain Kurt Bo- Kurt Bozeman, which is yeah, you know, just like oh Bo- Boswell. Sorry, Kurt Boswell, played by Jan Schweiderman, who uh, yeah. I loved how they like had these like kind of space like kind of Euro yes. like, chic like reflective you know metallic looking suits on. That they're all uh-huh. wearing, and they're all kind of have like the same like haircut, and they're all like, "Yeah, we're so cool," um, yep. but they literally don't care about a their employees or or the, or their patrons. You know, they're yeah, literally the feeding. Could be killing. Yeah, yeah, they're killing. They're them. feeding them poison. They're literally feeding them poison. <laughs> and, and Kurt re- refers to himself in third person. Like, Kurt does not like that. You know. Oh I mean, yeah, I yeah. That Kurt, was so yeah. funny how he refers to himself as Kurt. Never trust people that refer to themselves in the third person ever. Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like a lot of fun. And then there's kind of the espionage, like them spying on each other. Yes. You know, yeah. try- obviously he's like, okay, we got to get the sauce. We got to bring them back to their knees. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause now the sauce is making them do well again. So there's a kind of like espionage counter espionage going on. Yep. Um, and yeah, and I love the, the factory portrayal of Mondo burgers production. Oh yeah. So it's yep. literally like this giant assembly line. Mm-hmm. And then the burgers are getting like bigger and bigger, and they're coming out, and they're like, <laughs> you know, and they're these giant like, oh man, yep. it was so funny. I remember that from when I was a kid watching it. Of course, I was like, oh man, yeah. those do kind of look good, but um, right, it, it definitely is like a, a condemnation of like corporate culture, you yeah. Know? Whereas Good Burgers got all the character and the real, the heart. It feels real, the heart. Yeah. And this is yeah, literally just an assembly line where these people wear these spacesuits and their boss talks about himself in third person. Yeah. You know? It's just this big, disgusting, horrible conglomerate, you know? Right. How can you not like that? You know, how I can know. you not like a story it's about so fun. that? And and seriously, like I mean I mean, think of the the docs that have come out later, um, uh, you know, Food Inc. and, you know, this yeah. was even a while ago. Like, Super Size Me, this was before Super Size Yeah, this Size was all me, right? before all that. So in a lot of ways, I feel like it actually was kind of, like you said, it was an 80s movie in the 90s, but I right. mean, it was, it's kind of ahead of its time. Like, people were like, was, literally yeah. poisoning their own food. And, you know, now we've yeah. gotten a lot more critical about uh, food. Yes. But then we realize that food is controlled by mega conglomerates too, and it's about the bottom line and, and production and, um, you know, we're seeing a lot more of an organic movement now and vegan and mm-hmm. gluten-free and all that. Uh, and people just yeah. being more aware of what's in their food. And um, so I really, in a lot of ways, like, this is pretty cutting edge. I mean, no joke. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, and, and I guess what we're saying is it had something from the time before it, and it also has something from the time after it. So, yeah, it really, I guess, taps into something that's a little bit timeless, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I know that the messages are... You know, sadly, we're we're seeing a lot of the you know when co- yeah. when corporations are allowed to run amok without um, you know people stepping in. And actually, there was another, there was a great documentary called The Corporation. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Okay, I want to say it was like oh five uh, or oh six, maybe it was a while ago now. Um, but they uh, they analyze corporations as if they were like psychiatric patients, like people. So like if you you, oh, you really? take you take a corporation and you run like this list of all these things. At the end of the day, they're all like insane and homicidal. Once, once you allow them to, 
get yeah. to that point, you know, where the bottom line is the only thing that matters. Only thing that matters, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, um, I, you know, we went in today kind of just looking for a piece of 90s fun and, and all that, but yeah. I, I can't help but be like, this is a kind of on the money, man. Yeah. It is. And Ke- it's funny, you know, it, it's kind of played for laughs at the end, you know, because Kel is kind of portrayed as, you know, being simple and he doesn't really understand much and he just takes everything literally. He doesn't. And at the end, they kind of do this thing where he goes into this whole log monologue <laughs> about how plan. he took down of his plan. Yeah. And it's kind of played for laughs because all of a sudden here's this guy that was kind of portrayed as stupid now. Fast had talking. This really and- elab- but everything yeah. he says is true, how he's basically like, I knew that even if we had evidence to prove that they were horrible, they they would ha- hire better lawyers. They would hire some hotshot lawyer, yeah. And the rich, yeah, the rich can do whatever they want and get away with it because they can pay lawyers. And even if they did, they would just put it in legal, lim- legal limbo for years. And we'd never and I was see like, the wow. end of it. And it's like, that's all totally true. You know? yeah. like, n- even more now today than it was, even though it's kind of a line that you can tell is just kind of played for laughs at the end. It's like, that's it's more sad now. I think it might have been funny at the time, but it's more sad. It's like, yeah, yeah if you're a rich corporation, right. you can, you can. Like, I don't know if you saw a doc called um, Class Action Park. No, no. Um, it's a really good doc. It's a really. It's about a park called Action Park in New Jersey that was in the '80s, and it was a park basically that kids died when they. Oh, went there. I've heard totally of this. Unsafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and basically, that's the guy was a multimillionaire that owned it, and every time like people would sue them he would just bury the cases because the guy it all comes down it doesn't come down to who's right and who's wrong it comes down to unfortunately money who has more money and so yeah. yeah this lady was like my son was killed there you know because because of their negligence and basically they're like yep yeah, well you know technically it was the rock that killed him not us <laughs> our our, yeah. our ride ejected him onto a rock it's the rock rock there was the, yeah and 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 somehow they won because of that Ugh. like what the fuck? I mean, what the heck? You know, like... Um, no, that's so messed uh, up. That's so... That's... Mm-hmm. that's so, yeah, it, it, it Kel's little little monologue at the very end is actually more... I, th- I felt like, for this day and age, like, it was super poignant. Yeah, yeah. No, it really was. And it was hilarious, because, yeah, he's like... Uh, yeah. It's like the perfect, like, breakdown of all of his plan <laughs> yeah. and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we haven't gotten from him like that. And he's like, you thought of all that? <laughs> you thought of all that? He's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, um, what were some of the other uh, takeaways? Did you get any other kind of takeaways on this fresh viewing today? Yeah, you, well, you know, one thing that I, one person I forgot on there was uh, one person that I forgot was in there was Linda Cardellini. Oh yeah, Linda Cardellini in the sanita- the sanitarium. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it was it, it was kind of like she was great. Maybe like she's been, if she's just been around forever, you know, she had as a kid, you know, being on Freaks and Geeks, and now she's right. on like everything. You know, she's on Bloodline and all this stuff. So yeah, somehow also she an Avengers. This. Speaking of. Oh yeah, yeah. She's um, uh, Mrs. Hawkeye in that. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, she she's in everything. So the fact that like I was like, oh yeah, I forgot Linda Cardellini was in there. You know, that's a scene that now probably you know when you watch everything, there's certain things that like ooh that yeah from the, the the goggles like they they kind of were poking fun at like people in an insane crazy, asylum crazy crazy people fun of, yeah making fun of mental illness that wouldn't fly today. But you know it it was a different time and um, overall you know the movie still. Still great. I, I love, yeah, I loved um, everything about Mondo Burger, like the whole battle with them. I loved, uh, you know, Carmen Electra making a, uh, like a, a, a random oh, appearance yeah, in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. And then she just literally gets her ass kicked so bad, like accidentally yeah, uh, by yeah, Kel. Yeah, yeah, It shows you how pure Kel is. Like, he's not going to. 
That, on any other guy, that probably would have worked. Yeah, yeah. She's like, hey, do you want to uh, be alone, you and I? And and he's like, why? Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Her charm didn't work. Uh, and then it's like, oh, do you want to go be alone instead of go play mini golf? And he was like, no. <laughs> yeah. I want to go play mini they, golf. So it was, like we said, it was a little bit naughty. You know, there was a little, a couple of like innuendos in there. And right. they did say ass in it. I forgot about oh, that. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. How's your ass? Go to, he's. Yeah, it, yeah. It, well, and when he falls, whenever um, the old dude falls down, uh, when Abe Vigoda's character falls down, he's like, I broke my ass. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so it, I, I, that was kind of interesting. I was like, I, I forgot that they said that in there. Yeah. But yeah. They got, a, they, did. They, got a, they got a couple of uh, vulgarities in there, but. Yeah. Yeah, and then Carmen Electra's like literally falling on her ass over and over again. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you yeah. broke your ass? <laughs> Whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I loved all that stuff. I loved um, – and I loved how randomly they would just get into these kind of – like there were a couple of really poignant moments in there. You know, whenever they're on the roof and uh, Dexter um, tells Ed um, about his dad. You know, he's like, I haven't seen my dad in like a, a you know like seven years. And like yeah. I'm starting to forget what he even looks like. like right. Wow, that's and, – and they do – to me, they do a good job because a lot of films to go from slapstick, silly comedy into something like that – doesn't work, but for some reason they they made it work. They There's that the moment mm-hmm, where you're like, oh yeah, okay. Now immediately you kind of care about him and know where he's coming from, and you know you know why Ed is the way that he is, and why Dexter's the way that he is. And uh, yeah. and I and I love the moment where um, where Monique and Dexter are on that date, and they kind of have that moment together where she talks about how you know you know, I like you, you know, and she's like, I like you, you know, and I, I thought that was a pretty cool moment. They did. Those were two moments that I noticed that they handled very well of going from something really silly into something more serious. And I, I thought they pulled it off. Yeah, me too. I, I really do. It really had that duality. Yeah. Like even after the deadline, they kind of had the joke with, uh, with Ed, uh, with Kel being like, yeah, I forget what my dad looks like too. It's good I see him every night or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get the refresher. Yeah. <laughs> so they kind of ended on a joke. So it's like they were able to yeah. kind of like to kind of soften the sting uh-huh. of that more heavy moment, beat. But yeah. I, I don't think yeah. it devalued the beat. And I think you're right. Not at all. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. And again, this is like it's so Nickelodeon. And it's like kids having to find their own way on, mm-hmm. for, on their own. And, give, and given the kind of creative safe space to play in that sandbox. And, you know, which you guys literally say in your doc, you know, like kids – to have a safe place to, to grow and learn. Right. right. Um, you know, that's real. Yeah. And, but fun and finding that, yeah. finding that duality and nailing mm-hmm. that duality. And I really think that this movie really brings it, you know, on that level. Um, it's so mm-hmm. funny and so fun, but yeah, these characters are real. They're not just, you know, obviously there's a, a bit of a cartoony caricatureness to it, but at, totally. at the end of the day, there's so much soul and heart. That's really yeah. real. That's really palpable. Keenan does such a good job of um, playing the straight man. You know, he, he, you know, playing, playing the straight man always, I feel like straight men get the short end of the stick, you know, because it's the, everyone loves the slapstick funny one. But if you don't have a good straight man to anchor Anchor the silly guy to reality, then it doesn't work, you know? And, uh, and, and, and he does such a good job of playing the straight man. And, you know, that's something that, that those two guys would take on to Keenan and Kel as well, even though they're playing different characters than they are in this movie, obviously. Right. Um, they still, they have a similar um, relationship in that Keenan's character is a little more the straight man 
and Kel's character uh, on Keenan and Kel is is again more the the slapstick, silly kind of guy. Right. Another thing, did it remind you at all? I love planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh my god, I love that movie so much. I watch it, it every holiday you? season. Oh my god, I I love that. Such movie. a good movie. And it reminded me a little bit of that, a little bit. Huh. One, how you have opposites being forced together. Right. You know, you had John Candy and Steve Martin. Now you've got Keenan yeah. and Kel. Keenan would they, be they more d- the uh, the Steve Martin. The Steve Martin. Just trying and to, like, Kel get through than... and do it. Exactly. And, and, yeah, get from point A to point, and, a, point a to point B. Because, you know, there's that moment where, you know, because John, the whole thing starts, it's John Candy's fault. You know, had Steve Martin, John Candy steals his cab. And because of that. Right. Uh, Steve Martin now has to go on this whole trek to get home. Had John Candy not stolen his cab, he could have maybe gotten Could have made that time. flight. Yeah. And uh, and he has that realization later on. He's like, wait. And you see it kind of go boom, boom, boom. That was you. You were that guy that got stole my cab. And they do that as well in the movie where, you know, it's all, it's Kel's quote unquote fault. Well, really, I mean, Keenan. Because he's Keenan shouldn't have been. Yeah, Keenan shouldn't have yeah, been there in was, the first place, but it, right. he was the catalyst. But, 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 uh, but, but, but Kel's character, Ed, was rollerblading through the street and that's what caused uh keenan's character dexter to crash his car which is now why he has to have a summer job and about right. maybe halfway through the film he realizes that he looks at him and he's like wait that was, you. that was you it was your fault you're the reason i had to do this you know yeah. so it, in addition it kind of had to me a little bit of an odd couple play and specifically because of that it kind of reminded me a little bit of um planes trains and automobiles yeah that's great no, I love the dynamic. Between I, them. I love that. Yeah, that movie is that movie is un- unbelievable. Um, God, yeah, I like me. Yeah, when, yeah. When, my wife. It's funny, like everyone when you say, "Oh, I like John Hughes movies," they always think you mean like '80s teen movies. But that's my favorite John Hughes movie, and it has no. <laughs> it's not about teenagers at all. No. Yeah, that one's incredible. I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's true. It's definitely about adults. You know, one yeah. one adult's just trying to get through and get through life and. Just whatever. Just yeah. trying to get home. And or he kind of he kind of re- and, and and he kind of realizes the other one is a human. You know, towards the end, like yes. he kind of treats Dell John Car- John Candy's character Dell. He kind of treats him like crap. And then at the end, he's like, "Man, this guy's just a dude like me trying he's to just make trying to life. get through, and, man." Yeah. And and and, and he might be doing it in a different way. You know, he might he yeah he's annoying that he's got his own way. We're all just trying to get through life. I do it differently than you, but like it doesn't matter. You know and. And, and, and that's true with those two characters, and it's certainly true with uh, Keenan and Kel's character, Dexter and Ed. They're both, they're both just trying to make it, you know? And, and yeah, Kel's character is a little annoying to Keenan by, you know, hey, dude, yeah. yeah. You know, he's, like, slow. He's dim-witted. He's not he, picking up on the cues. But he's a good dude, you know? He buys him a, he buys him a yo-yo, you know, because he said yeah, my the dad yo- gave Yeah, the yo-yo, yo-yo was really powerful, right? That was mm-hmm. off that same buys- story of the talking about the fathers. Yes, yeah, so... I like that, you know. It shows that we're all we're all in it together. So just be be cool, you know. Just be cool. Yeah, just be cool and be real, um, mm-hmm. you know. Because Mondo Burger is trying to manufacture and create yeah. this thing, and they don't care about the burger. No, they just want money. You know, they'll pump it full of crap to make it bigger. And I love how they actually like literally explode at the end, and it yeah. all comes to a head when the when their place goes out goes down. Yeah, uh, poor Sinbad gets. Loses another car. Uh, yeah, when the burger, like the burger, the top of the burger up from Mondo Burger, like crashes lands. on his car. Yeah, yeah. I, 
I liked how they had a lot of all that cameos, you know, like Josh. Oh, Silver, yeah. He plays the character in there. And then um, Lori Beth Denberg, her, she actually plays the same character. Also, um, Connie Muldoon. I'm Connie Muldoon. Yes. She was in. She was on all, all that, that as that character. Right. As that character on the Good Burger sketch, which is funny because Good Burger really wasn't a Keenan and Kel thing at all. It was Kel. And everybody else was just kind of like I think Keenan was on a couple of uh, Good Burger sketches, but it wasn't it wasn't the two, it wasn't like Wayne's World, you know, where it was like it the was two mainly of them together. A, yeah, it yeah. was mainly just a Kel thing. And for the movie, they I guess probably because Keenan and Kel had ju- that show had just started, so, so they're, they're like, marketing oh, together. Well, let's, yeah, let's pair them up together because yeah, Keenan was never that character Dexter was never um, on. The all that sketch, Good Burger, right, ever. right, yeah. It was just uh, Kel as the the clerk. Mm-hmm. No, and, but I, um, I loved. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say in in the Orange Years, uh, you guys talk. Keenan actually says how much like they're really best friends, and they would literally just hang out all the time. The two of those guys, they were like, I know, inseparable. And he's like, I got to work with my best friend, and isn't that great? Isn't that cool when you find so? He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah. man, we were hanging out like twenty four seven. Like we, they were staying at each other's houses. You know that like that's where they were when it's like. You know, I think we've all hopefully had one friend like that where their mom is kind of like your mom. Yeah. You know, like you go over there and they're like, oh, you're here. Cool. I'll make dinner for you, too. Yeah, you're part you know? of the and, family. And, yeah. And and your, your mom knows that if you're over there, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you know? it's all like, good. It's a safe space. Yeah. Like, that's really how it was. Like, there was one season where they were staying at the same house, you know, because it was just easier. So they were, like, living together. How cool is that, you know? And I loved in the doc how those two guys both sang each other's praises. You know, that was a really yeah, cool me too. Thing to hear. I'm glad we doubled back for that um, beat. And then yeah, obviously, see, yeah, and obviously seeing Keenan, um, you know, you guys interviewed him, and uh, you know, seeing yeah. him in this movie too, and just like yeah, they were able just to create that that dynamic. Um, and I really think it is a really good like odd couple situation. Yeah, they're great. They're 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 so good at it. They are. They were really. I mean, you could tell even at that age. Like, these guys are stars. Yeah. You know, they've got whatever it, whatever the special sauce the is. Special sauce. You know. Yeah. They, they've, they've got it. And I, I, I yeah, I loved, I loved how they gave little minor, sh- like Dan Schneider being in it. You know, um, and uh, and and um, Brian Robbins. You know, he was also uh, worked on all that. And Brian Robbins, who directed the this director, movie, yeah. is the president. Yeah, he's the president of Nickelodeon now. Is he's that a, right? He's the, the same job that Jerry Laybourne had back in the day. Brian Robbins has that Whoa, job. Oh, that's so cool. I Pretty did not crazy. know that. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, we got to talk to him a little bit. He's not in the movie because it just didn't really he, he it, it, we just, it just didn't really make sense. Yeah. But uh, I've talked to him on the phone and he's just a very pleasant guy, you know, and is like cuz basically we we kind of were like, "Hey, like if Nickelodeon is cool with this movie, because we made the movie separate from Nickelodeon, but they're like, if Nickelodeon mm-hmm. will at least give their blessing, like we're not mad at this movie. You know, if Nickelodeon will say, we don't care that this exists, that'll help us, you know, sell it and find it at home. Yeah. And yeah, Brian Robbins was like, oh, I love Jerry. Anything, because Jerry was the one that, you know, got him his job back in the day. And he's like, oh yeah, I love it. You're fine. If anyone needs, if any, if anyone gives you problems, send them to me. So, I mean, what a cool dude, you know, president wow. of freaking Nickelodeon now was like nice to us you know what a what a great guy i i loved i loved how many all that people were in there and specifically connie muldoon i think any kid that has ever worked in service like the service industry yep. i love how 
you know, we talked about how the adults are always idiots, but in this, the customers are all idiots. Oh, yeah, I'm really glad and you brought that up. Yeah, she's, like, spitting ever, out the order super fast and with, like, so yeah, many sidebars. Like, oh, and I don't want I don't want onions, but he wants onions, although I don't know why. And he wants cream, but although he says he's allergic to dairy, but for some reason he still wants a shake. I don't get it. Anyway, can I also get one of those with big fries, one of them with small fries? No ketchup on one, but extra mustard. And it's just like, <laughs> I hope you got all that. You know, I think we've in – all, in, it's like all great. the customers. <laughs> Thank you. All, all the customers are just idiots, and I think if you've ever like, you know, I worked at a Starbucks in col in high school and college, and you know, like, and I worked in Burger King when I was like fifteen. I was probably working at Burger King when this movie came out, um, and you know, you feel it, you know, because customers are so incredibly rude to you, and it's a lot of times it's like their fault, you know, it's yeah. their fault the order is wrong, but they're gonna be like, you idiot, you know, like yeah. it's like, hey man, you're the one eating a Burger King, you know, like don't call me an idiot. I'm fifteen. I'm just trying to like. Make money, to like, like you, you know. know, yeah, you know, yeah. So I, <laughs> I think that's another way they related to kids in that um, was because a lot of kids, you know, that were you know roughly the same age as the actors in it, you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, could identify with that. You know, if you've had to work with fast food, you get treated like shit. I mean, people, and you're a child. You know, you're like sixteen years old. Yeah, and it's like like you said, it's, like, it's your fault that this and X and yeah. Y, and you have so many. Yeah. I know. I uh, I was actually working at a hotel up until this year, and when mm. COVID struck. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I actually with that that monologue, that rant was really hilarious. But then I also people can be so mean. I started to feel like nervous. I was like, <laughs> oh man, I'm really glad yeah. I don't have to take her order. <laughs> glad I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I thought they, I thought that that was uh, a really cool like kind of shout out to to what kids that are older you know that were probably of the age like not necessarily Nickelodeon maybe older Nickelodeon age and, and even a little bit older than that you know to kind of give a tip of the hat like hey sorry we know we know what you're going through out there and we know it sucks to work at McDonald's or Jack in the Box or whatever so we're going to kind of give you something to laugh at you know almost like the way that movie Waiting did later oh yeah Any, Waiting's great anybody Anybody that waits tables, I think, can identify with that movie Waiting. And I think anybody that's ever had to have a fast food job can identify with. Even though Good Burger is very cartoony, you still it still gives you a glimpse into their life, what it's like. Yeah, because the first interaction with Kel, you know, um, the, the yeah. guy's all pissed off and he's, he's, he's just mad and he's threatening to, like, call the manager. Yeah. He's threatening to, like, just walk out. I mean, over a burger, yeah. over a freaking hamburger, like. The, that's the only place that can go go somewhere else, dude. Who cares? Yeah. Can you get me a good burger? Well, I, I can't actually leave. Yeah. The stand here, but I, you know, we'll make sure that somebody. Yeah. Does I love the one who's like, he's like, I ordered this a good burger with nothing on it, and it's literally just it's a, just a bun. Kel gives him just a bun. Yeah. And he's like, no, a, a burger with nothing on it would be no ketchup. And he's like, no, a, technically a meat patty is something, and you said you wanted nothing on it. Yeah, and that was like, great. Yep. I remember when I used to work at Starbucks, people would always be like, I want extra caramel. I mean, extra, 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 extra caramel. And I'd always load it up and they'd be like, this isn't enough. I want extra. So I started just, you know, you get those tubes of caramel and I would just put like half the tube in there. You know, it's like disgusting, you know, just like, oh my gosh, load, yeah. load it up with caramel. And then I'd be like, here you go. Expecting them, you know, to be you know, like, I was literally doing what they were saying. And they'd be like, oh yes, this is great. This is perfect. This is exactly you what I want. You wanted an obsessively like, nasty woo! amount of an over-the-top caricature was amount of caramel. That's what yeah. you Yeah, <laughs> where it's like half of the cup was just that, like, caramel, you know? And people are like, oh, yes, God. finally, someone gets it. This is how I want it. Yeah, you want to die of diabetes after you drink your coffee mm -hmm. is what you want. Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I love it. I love it, too, man. They really captured that kind of every the every man, the struggles mm -hmm. of the day-to-day the day -day kind of, you know, ins and outs. 
Yeah. And they it had a it. good soundtrack too. It had a lot oh, of yeah. presidents. You know, presidents of the United States is on there. Uh, George Clinton. George, George Clinton, Clinton is in the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> when they're in the insane asylum and then they play uh, his music. And then uh, Less Than Jake. Do you remember them? Less Than Jake. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, Less less Than Jake, the, the ska punk band that everyone loved in the late 90s, early 2000s. And but yeah. Kel sings the songs like, oh, I'm a dude. She's a dude. She's a dude. He's a Everyone's dude. We're all dudes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's Less Than Jake playing the music. I thought that was... Uh, that was great. That definitely, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that that music era was like, that was very like ska ska punk was like really yeah. big back then. Yeah, like Muddy Muddy Boston's a real big fish. Yep, bands real like big that. Fish. Yeah. Sell out with me, oh yeah, sell out. Yeah, which that that music video is shockingly similar to Good Burger, isn't it? About like a guy working in a fast food place selling oh my God, out. God, you know? is that right? I actually, I, I don't think I've seen the video. I'm gonna have to watch the video. Oh yeah, look it up. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was definitely a nice fusion of, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh yeah, this era, right, right. Obviously, yep. I'm super nostalgic of it now. Um, yeah, I remember like listening to all that stuff. Yeah, it's actually Less my my music teacher in uh, in fifth grade at my elementary school. Um, her son was in Muddy Muddy Boston's. So was like the trombone player. Oh really? Yeah. And I was like, wow. and she was always like bragging about it. And she's like, and then she was like teaching us music. And I was like, this is awesome. Getting taught music by Muddy Muddy Boston trombone player's mom. Like, this is incredible. <laughs> you know what? I feel, I feel bad for everybody that played like trumpet and trombone in like the early, cause like for like, you know, three years, they got to be in bands and were considered really sexy. And everyone thought it was cool. Every, I remember everyone wanted a trumpet or trombone. In I was band. a trumpet like, player. Oh man. You know? And then and then that that trend died off super quick and it was like done like all the ska punk bands like kicked out their uh their trumpet players like we just want to play regular yeah. cuz you know after that you know like that blink 182 and some 41 like punk bands right. were real big so it's like it's kind of like there's always you know guitar based drums always big but there's always like that like the trumpet and trombone players they had like a couple of years and then it was gone and then like right after that it was like DJ players you know they had like like DJs, like everybody. Yeah, now it's all about DJs. Yeah, spinning the, the turntables. Yeah, but waiting you know, for everyone the bass had to in drop. Their band. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Everyone had one in their band. Like like like. Lincoln Park. Like you need. Yeah, you needed one guy to just go. Yeah, Slipknot, Lincoln Park, those guys. Yeah. Uh huh. And then they everyone ditched those guys, and then it was like everybody needed someone in their band to go. Hey. Dum dum. Hey. Dum dum Hey. And then that guy, you know, it's like there's always like that one guy that's getting left out in the cold, you know, like music trends come and they go as quickly as they came. But anyway, yeah, less than Jake. Yeah, I'm so glad you touched they on probably, that. I, yeah. I love that song. Yeah. I'm actually going to probably um, yeah. I'm gonna open the episode he, with that song probably and close Kel it. Mitchell does a good job. Kel Mitchell does a good yeah, job. Yeah, he was great the as the vocalist in that, uh, that track. Yeah. And, and if you watch the movie The Orange Years, our documentary, you find out how that character was born. He talks about where where Ed came from, where he got the inspiration, and why he had that hair. Oh yeah, no, I mean I just saw it, but I'd love to hear you tell it anyway. Go go ahead and tell the anecdote. He talks about you know how it was like he got the voice down, and then he's like it needs something, it just needs something, you know. Yeah. And then, and then it was like when they put the hair on, that was what like solidified like, it. Okay. Yes, now this character makes sense, and I think he was in another. He was in another sketch called Dream Remote. Before he was in Good Burger, but then Good Burger is where that character really, really took like, off. You know, 
took off. I like how their names all say instead of just saying like Ed, it says I'm Ed. Yeah, I'm you know? I'm whatever I, the character. Yeah, whoever it is, like I, like what's Abe Vigoda's character is uh, uh, Otis. So I'm like, Otis. I'm Otis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. Like they they all say like I'm blank, not just their name. I thought that was kind of a like. I guess that's just what they do at Good Burger. Yeah, yeah, and I love how um, Otis caught uh, Kurt Boswell and, and company like in yeah. the when they're trying to tamper with their sauce and p- literally poison the sauce. Yeah, which is, is sh- so they putting, up. like shark poison. In yeah, there, shark poison. And uh, and Otis was like sleeping there, and for some reason that kind of jerked <laughs> yeah. my heartstrings a little bit. Like you're talking about how yeah. how Good Burger is a family. And yeah. you know it has that familiar element, and people from all walks of life, and and all that, totally. and then and then and then Mondo Burger is like this manufactured, like whether or not he was sleeping there because X or Y, but he just kind of like was there, you know. For some reason, yeah. that really tickled my heartstrings. Yeah, it definitely added another layer to the whole Good Burger being a family of <laughs> this guy. For whatever yeah, like reason, this is this is where he sleeps. You know, I don't know why, but that's why he, right. This is his home away from home. Yeah. And he legit wants to like, I'm so glad that, um, Otis went to the sanitarium with them. Me too. And they're all like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get this out. We gotta tell the cops. We gotta like, like this is something that we all have to do together. And you know, kind of that team effort of it, you know? So it wasn't just them on their own. Like this is about good burgers, health in general. Yeah. That's another, at the sanitarium, that's another, um, good action mo- uh, a good action moment like you were talking about when they get they they jump out the window and it's definitely stunt doubles but it works you know but it's like yeah wow that's crazy that that's another kind of one of those action moments i kind of forgot where they have to like get out of there really quickly. yeah the shots of them flying out the window and like doing like this you know like yeah, triple yeah. or whatever down the yeah down the side. Yeah, yeah that was so funny um the the name of the, the name of the sanitarium is demented hills I know, Sanitarium. right? <laughs> like, talk about being on the nose. What should we call? Hey, we built this place for, uh, you know, mentally ill people on this hill. What should we call it? Oh, I don't know. Demented hills, Demented hills, hills yeah. <laughs> no, like you said, it's a little, like, wouldn't probably fly now. But um, yeah. I like to, again, they tapped into the honesty of how, like, Kel ended up, like, being friends with them. And just, like, mm-hmm. again, just treating people like people don't. Don't treat somebody like they're a psychopath. Don't treat somebody like they're yeah. this. Don't treat somebody like, like you said, like they're a kid. Like Nickelodeon didn't do that to their viewers. Yeah. You know. That's very true because whenever whenever um, <clears throat> Ed meets uh, Linda, Linda Cardellini's character, Heather, who is a person that's in the sanitarium, yeah, he's not like, whoa, you're crazy. He's like, oh, cool. Like they kind of have a bond. Yeah, they just kind of like just hit it off yeah. like two people talking, you know. What did she say? He says, she's like, what do you think is cute about me? And he's like, you're head oh my god yeah thanks you have a cute you have a nice head too yeah (laughs) yeah it's like so funny like yeah she she, it was it was a i forgot she was in that movie and she's such a great actor she really is i was like wow like she really sells that that you know that's another character kind of like you know char jackson who doesn't have a lot of screen time but steals the show when she's on screen linda carnellini was definitely like that too it's like oh man that that was such a funny little Little moment interchange because I mean, she's really only in that one scene when they get when they get s- sent to the insane asylum. Demented you know, Hills, that's the only, yeah. When they get sent to Demented Hills, <laughs> that's the only time she's in the movie. But um, yeah, she's real fun, real treat to watch on screen for sure. Oh, and how about Shaquille O'Neal? I mean, I thought his scene oh, yeah. was so fun. We have to talk about Shaq for a minute. I love how they they're just like Shaq. Yeah. And it was just, just play, bum 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 <laughs> and, bum, yeah. bum bum bum. Isn't that the song they play? And they're like running right. up to Shaq like. 
That was so cool. And they kind of like turned into a little bit of a Goober commercial, like a free free airtime, you know. And they, he got, yeah, gra- uh, Cal yeah. grabs the mic and he's like, go to Good Burger. Oh, and then uh, yes. uh, Shaq's like, oh, I like tomatoes on my burger, though. Like kind of a very like childlike kind of reaction to everything. And then Cal, yes. like, of course, like, goes into his pocket and has, like, a tomato and he just sticks Pulls out some tomatoes and puts them on there. <laughs> Which is gross, oh but gosh. so endearing and, and so, like, so great. So childlike. Yeah. And, and Shaq doesn't seem freaked out by it. He's like, oh, Yeah, great, he's like, thanks. oh, cool, you know, tomatoes. Like, I like tomatoes. He's like, cool, yeah. I love that. Yeah, you, you just put some tomatoes on there. Great. I, another uh, hidden hero of the movie is the Burger Mobile. Like, how, oh, how cool man, is that? Oh, man, yeah, that's so much fun. They get to drive it around. Another like action like the... chase sequence too at the end when they're trying yeah. to get back. After they escape. You know they did a they did a good burger pop up in Los Angeles about a year ago. I heard about this. My buddy Ryan Grassmeyer went and I I don't know why I didn't go. And now of course not there's not like dining in in LA right now. Right. Um, now yeah, of course I, I'm super I, did, I wasn't out there. Oh right. I know, yeah. You're it off looked the hook. awesome. Yeah, I saw a bunch of photos. It looks so cool. They did like a Saved by the Bell one as well. That's like right. the diner yeah, from there. Yeah, they did the Max. Yeah, yeah, the Max. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, once uh, once things come back, I know. Hopefully I know. That, will, that will kick back off. Yeah, I was bummed I didn't get to go to the Good Burger. I I I don't know if they had the car. I feel like I saw pictures of them having the the Burger Mobile there. Yeah, I can't they remember the they car. They should have. Yeah, I'm sure they did. They must have. That's, a, that's yeah. a, a needed touch. Mm-hmm. All right, Mr. Scott. We did it. We did it, man. Good burger. Good, good, burger. good burger. Orange orange ears. Orange ears, yes. You can check it out. I can't recommend it enough. I'll be I'll be oh, thank you. I'll be uh, pumping it out. This has been just a real real joy getting to meet you and hang out with you and talk about making new friends and meeting fellow writers on yeah. the on the creative storm and people that are uh, this is so cool. You're an awesome dude. I'm really glad we got to hang out. Yeah, likewise, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, thanks so much. Good luck with your future endeavors. Let's please stay in touch. Yeah, definitely. Orange ears, baby. Nickelodeon story. Orange ears, baby. <laughs> Nickelodeon story. All right, Scott Barber. Thank you so much for sharing your time. And uh, yeah, thanks, Andy. Look forward to more correspondence, sir. Likewise, man. Thank you. All right, take care, sir. We're on this what are we doing now? Uh, uh, we're breaking it down. Uh.